So we should start tonight with the SITREP uh, situation report. It is Wednesday, the 9th of January. It is about 9 o'clock in the evening, uh, one true time zone. And as of right now, I'm still here. But there is a 50-50 shot that I'm going to have to run out of this episode in the middle of it. So this is going to be an adventure for all three and kind of four, and I guess you could almost even say five of us, as uh, (laughs) I might need to leave, Aaron might need to go to the hospital, and uh, Sprig may be here. I mean, it is actually, it is theoretically feasible, although I certainly don't hope it's the case, that by the time this show stops recording, I could have needed to leave, go to the hospital, and Aaron could hypothetically birth our second child before you two shut up. That could happen before you leave the house, let me tell you. <laughs> let's, let's not even go there. Oh, God. Do you want to tell that story? Yeah, John, you have some experience with this. Yeah, I don't think I've uh, told that story at length on this podcast. We don't need to do it today. We should start with some uh, follow-up, though. Let's talk about Meltdown, Spectre, and all the things that are happening. Uh, My timeline's a little fuzzy because I've been a bit preoccupied. So we did have this link from Apple during the last recording, right? We did not. Oh, we We did did not. not. Okay, I'm sorry. They hadn't posted it yet. You guys been talking about the WebKit one? No, 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 no. This is the uh, original official. Oh, okay. Because the WebKit one is also excellent. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to read that. I've been preoccupied. If you have that link, put it in the notes. Uh, I'll take it up. Yeah. I've already downloaded the update, but I didn't read the note for it. It's nice that they released the Safari update for old OSs. I got, I'm uh, staring at El Cap right here, and I got the Safari update, which, I mean, that's another complaint people have about the Spectre Meltdown thing and how Apple is handling it. They're like, so um, where is the kernel update for any version other than the very, very latest version of Mac OS? But that's not really how Apple rolls, which is kind of disappointing. You would hope that Apple would... There's one aspect that Apple should uh, adopt a little bit more of the enterprise mindset to say for super critical security things, maybe consider backporting some number of versions instead of just saying, no, the only thing that exists is the very, very bleeding edge. But, you know, <laughs> Apple's going to Apple. Apple is going to Apple. All right. So it's, can you walk me through the official Apple statement, if you don't mind, John? Oh, there's nothing much there. It's just another one of these, uh, you know fairly straightforward explanations just the last time that apple didn't even have one and it was just like they were just a little bit late in putting it out but it's not a super great explanation lots of people have been sending links to uh explanations that help them understand what this is all about most of them i found to be not to my liking because like it's a difference in audience it's like if you if most of the words we said in the last show didn't make any sense to you, you need a different kind of explanation. So those the people who need that kind of explanation are the ones reading articles where they compare it to a waiter or to like uh, music or a factory or all sorts of things that use analogies to real world things to try to explain to people, you know, how instruction pipelines work, what speculative execution is, what branch prediction is, stuff like that. And so it's it's been interesting to see the different variety of uh, analogies and metaphors that are used in those articles, but apparently a lot of them are really helping people understand this in a way that, for example, our previous show would not have and did not. So we apologize for that, but we're glad there's lots of good explainers out there for you. Um, I think uh, the Raspberry Pi folks had yeah. one of the more popular, uh, let's say, uh, layperson's uh, explanation of it with it with a great capper at the end where they say after many many paragraphs of laborious explanation raspberry pi doesn't suffer this because we use cpus that don't have speculative execution which is not really something to brag about because that means they use cheap very old very weak cpus um 
uh, because you know Raspberry Pi is, is a small, cheap, low-powered thing. Uh, but uh, that's that's nice for them. Um, and I th- let's see what else. What else has come out about this in the meantime? Oh, uh, the second link here in the same topic is uh, this is the best uh, web page I found showing what the speed hit is on the Mac for the patches that uh, work around this. Uh, and as always, it's not, you know, there's no clear-cut answer. So as the summary of this uh, this article says, uh, the main question to be answered is if the performance impact exists. Yes, it is very clear. You can look at the graphs. There's the performance impact. Is it relevant? It depends. And that's the worst kind of answer. What do you mean it depends? It really totally depends <laughs> on exactly what you're doing, exactly how many system calls you're making. Another interesting thing to come out of this uh article is another measurement of the performance hit of APFS versus versus HFS plus, which like they weren't intending to measure that, but they sort of accidentally did when they compared like Sierra to high Sierra without the patch to high Sierra with the patch, the, the performance impact of APFS, the negative performance impact of, of APFS encrypted APFS far outweighs the impact of this uh, security patch. So uh, that, I don't know if we've talked about that before, but uh, AVFS in general is slower than HFS plus in most of the benchmarks, which I would think to be expected because HFS plus was a file system that was tuned to be acceptably fast on a computer in like, you know, 1989 or whatever. So it's massively <laughs> overmatched by the, the power we have now. And APFS has way more features and is a way more modern file system. Uh, and so is not going to be as fast as something that used to run really well on a Mac SE. Hopefully, APFS will get faster in the future, right? But, uh, you know, it's very new. Uh, but it also it just plain does more. It has more features than HFS Plus and more safety. The Space Gray peripherals are selling for hilarious prices on eBay. Uh, the three of us were kind of giggling about the thought that, oh, since these are so rare, that they may command, or I mean, probably will command some amount of premium over what a regular device would look like. So quick refresher, the iMac Pro, since it's that sexy space gray, the peripherals also have to be sexy space gray. And by default, you can order the computer with a a 10, what, what do you call a full size? Not, so not a 10 keyless, a full size uh, Bluetooth Apple keyboard and either a magic mouse or a magic trackpad, or you can optionally for some amount of money, I don't remember how much you can get both the trackpad and the mouse. These are only available if you buy a iMac Pro. So naturally they're very, very fancy and special. Somebody has d- dug up some eBay listings that, if you're listening to this far in the future, will probably not be available. But a triplet of Magic Keyboard, Trackpad, and Mouse is not going for went as of yesterday for one thousand eighty dollars. So that's a thousand dollars for a trackpad, a keyboard, and a mouse. Oh, and presumably a light, a bespoke lightning cable, actually. Um, oh, the black lightning cable. When you include that, mm-hmm. of course, it puts it over the top. Of course, Can't of get a course, black lightning cable. I refuse to believe these are real people. These have to be speculators. But like, there's at least like uh, if you if you search eBay sold items for like Space Gray Magic Trackpad, you get all these listings, and it's there's not- oh yeah no they are that's that's why I put this in there because we thought they wouldn't sell for that much, and they totally are selling for a lot of money. The question is yeah. who are they selling to, and that's the, the secondary thing is like so are real people actually putting this much stock in this, or is it speculation where people believe that this will be a high ticket item for a long time? I continue to believe that Apple will eventually that Apple will eventually allow you to buy peripherals that are this color separately, which will of course destroy the market for these things. So I hope the people who bought them are able to resell them at a profit before that happens. But I don't know when that will happen. 
presumably. I mean, this is kind of like trying to be like an iPhone speculator. Like on like yeah. the biggest market for these things is behind us, and it's going down every day, not up. So like anybody buying these for this price, like they're the worst speculators in the world. Like it's they're like. It, these are only going to get more common and more available over time. Like they're and they're really cool right now, or really two weeks ago, because they're brand new and no one's seen them before in these colors. But like that is a very temporary thing. The, the window of time to make a profit there is very short. The only way it would work is if if Apple never makes another space gray computer with space peripherals. Like if the iMac Pro, like they continue to make the iMac Pro, but it changes color, and this was like the only generation of these things, then you could have some value, but. Just ask somebody, Stephen Hackett, with an Apple TV, uh, not that one. No, no, not that one. No, the other one. No, not that one. The black. No, not this black one. The other, other. I don't know how to refer to the Apple TV. It was a giant Macintosh computer that could also be a television. It was also hideous. The other one was also black. Uh, and it was from, and that was it. There wasn't like a, a huge collection of black desktop Macintosh computers surrounding that. Even that doesn't retain its value that well. So. I mean, now, now you, Marco, you've got me convinced. Now I'm starting to, to hope that these are, really are individual people because, like, if they're speculators, they're probably going to be disappointed. But if they're individuals, maybe they're happy with their $1,000 purchase of a, of a keyboard and mouse and yeah, black lightning and black Apple stickers. We forgot about that. You can get those with the Mac Pro, though. Those are a dime a dozen. Just go buy a trash can. Yeah, you know, they'll throw in. <laughs> buy some black stickers. They'll throw in a trash can for free. <laughs> wow. So regardless, as of the time of this recording, that full set went for $1,000. A trackpad is for sale for $310 or more. And a magic mouse is for sale for $295 or more. And really, uh, while you guys were talking, it occurred to me that that if Erin really and truly loved me, she would go ahead and have this baby immediately because I'm going to be purchasing my full set from Underscore. And he has told me that he will bring them down when he comes to visit to meet Spriggs. So... The quicker that she can pop this baby out, the quicker I can get my fancy black peripherals. So really, this is this is all about me, and that's that's what she really needs to be considerate of. I mean, there is a faster way to get them <laughs> on eBay. You mean you got to wait for the the the, uh, <laughs> the auctions to end? I believe it's apple.com slash imac dash pro dash buy or something. Oh like uh, yeah, yeah. You got to buy old computer. Although it's only, it's only five times expensive as the as the peripherals by themselves. That isn't that unreasonable. <laughs> yeah, I already bought mine from Jason. By the way, I mean. I, I, I use the uh, the Apple Messages payment thing. I, I was is that the first time I used it? Maybe I sent Casey some money. It is it. called Apple Pay Cash, and I have now sold two computers with it. <laughs> I remember. Anyway, mine is on my way to me. My keyboard, just the keyboard itself. I did not pay a thousand dollars. Jason took pity on you and answered, "No, I'm not going to sell the keyboard. It's not for sale." I just noticed today I had uh, a friend of mine had purchased for me a couple of pieces of clothing from the Apple Park Visitor Center, and I paid him with Apple Pay Cash. Uh, apparently disclosed at some point that I'd forgotten or just not well disclosed that if you use a credit card for Apple Pay Cash, there's a 3% service charge, which I was not aware of. So this $50 transaction was like a $52 transaction. Not a big deal, but it was very surprising when I'm looking at my iMessage history and seeing it was, you know, $50 and 20 cents or whatever that the hell it was. And then I'm looking at my bank statement and it's saying it was $52 or again, whatever the numbers were. And uh, I, I did not expect that. So pro tip, if you're going to be using Apple Pay Cash, use a debit card. 
but did you get frequent flyer miles or Amazon Prime points or cash back to offset that 3%? I will eventually get a smattering of cash back, probably less than 3%. Yeah, but you're not going to get 3%. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's, this is, this is the, the entire rack of the credit card business. Is like, you know, they, they have these, I forget, what are they called? Interchange fees? Something like that, um, which is part of that 3%. And, and it's like... But usually the vendor pays it, not you. Yeah, like there, there's no way to charge to charge money to a credit card without somebody paying a fee of at least around two and a half percent, depending on you know their their merchant deal and everything. And it's like someone's paying that somewhere if using a credit card. Debit cards are all different and don't work that way. Bank transfers are different and don't work that way. But credit cards all work that way. Like someone is paying that fee. John is right. Usually it's the vendor. Um, in this case, you know, it's like if you want the person to receive this money then you have to pay the fee you know if you want them to receive 50 bucks and not 47 or whatever you know you, you're paying 52 to give them 50 but that's just the nature of credit cards and sending money online yeah i'm not you know like disappointed by this or if i am i'm disappointed in myself for not having remembered but it was something that i did not expect so this is your psa ladies and gentlemen uh use a debit card if you can also note that the the rewards that you're going to get for that are probably not exceeding about 1.5%. Uh, it, it's that would like the really good rewards end up being along the lines of 1.5%. Anybody out there who thinks like, "Oh, I'll pay the surcharge for something, but I'll get it back in rewards." No, you won't. The house always wins. We had a couple of people write in that are either ex-Apple geniuses or Apple geniuses, and they made the same point which was Part of the reason that Apple geniuses tend to be uh, reluctant to do a battery replacement is that oftentimes that isn't really the problem. You know, sometimes a slowdown or or perhaps a really tough battery situation is because you've been playing a shed load of Pokemon Go and you didn't disclose that when you were talking to the genius. And the easier answer, rather than either charging Apple money or charging the customer money, even more importantly, is to just say, hey... Maybe cool it on the catch and the Pokemans. Maybe that'll do a little better for you. So they that was an interesting point I hadn't considered. Yeah. Like it's like you said, we got this feedback a lot, and it's not like they're refusing to do it for your own good. It's the what they're trying to avoid is a situation where a customer comes in and says, I have a problem. And then the customer and this must happen all the time. The customer decides they know what the solution to the problem is. This isn't exclusive to battery, it's just whatever, anything. It could be your car or a vacuum cleaner or whatever. You know, customer has a problem and customer says, and by the way, I'm also sure I know how to fix this problem. I want you to replace the the belt on my whatever. I want you to, you know, give me a new whatever. Like they they have diagnosed the problem, they know exactly what's wrong, and they just say, Look, just don't don't give me a runaround just you know put a new battery in my car right i mean the this is more working over these stupid electric cars you know what i mean the 12 volt thing lead acid <laughs> um, i have one of those too yeah maybe maybe the problem is like an engine control unit or maybe it's a gasket that's blown or whatever and like so the, the person who wants to look at your car says let us the car fixing experts look at your car and run all our little diagnostics and we'll tell you what's wrong with it but it's like no no, no. the customer says i don't care what you find i know that this is exactly what i need and service centers or apple or whatever are reluctant to do that because if they say okay we'll do it and they do it even if they do it for free but or but especially if they charge you to do it right and then they give the thing back to you and say okay we did what you asked we replaced your whatever here you go then they come back the next day and said the problem's still there and now you have this argument it's like well you know we didn't say this would fix your problem but you insisted we do this because you thought it would fix your problem but it turns out it didn't and that's a conversation you never want to have with the customer because they're going to be like i don't care blah 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 blah. so 
what Apple wants to do is you customer just describe your problem and then we'll figure out what it takes to fix it, whether that's give you a completely new device or replace a bunch of parts or whatever it's going to be. But if you come to us and demand we do a specific thing, especially if you demand we do it for free under warranty, it could just be a waste of both of our times. So that's all well and good. And we heard that from a lot of people. And I know I know where they're coming from. And sometimes I know where customers are coming from. Because sometimes I'm that customer who says, look, I just just do this. Like, just just replace this thing. I won't yell at you if it doesn't work, but I'm pretty sure this is it. Um, but my question to a couple of these Apple geniuses was, okay, fine, whatever. Say somebody comes in like I did and says, there's nothing wrong with my phone. I don't actually have a problem. All I want to do is give you money in exchange for that money you take out the battery that's in there and put in a new one. And for the most part, the Apple Genius has said, yeah, we'll do that. Like, as long as we're all on the same page, that it, there's not an actual problem that we're trying to solve. Like, there's no acknowledged problem at all. It's just a thing you want to happen. Um, not going to do it under warranty for free if there's no problem, obviously, because that's just wasteful. And that was one angle that some people brought up is the waste of, like, if you have a perfectly good battery, us replacing it even if you pass is not particularly environmentally conscious because batteries are all filled with uh you know heavy metals and other uh things that are not great so why would you take a perfectly good battery and throw it away and replace it with another one um so i kind of see that angle too but in the end i feel like if someone comes in with a wad of money especially if it's 80 dollars and not 30 and says my phone has no problems but please replace my battery you should do so and like i said i did that and they did replace it for me but there was a weird pause about it so it would be better if there was less mystery surrounding this process and it would be much better if more customers knew how how accessible battery replacements are for their iOS devices. Of course, this, or I should say, use past tense, how accessible they were because the other strain of feedback we got is from long-suffering Apple retail employees who are now in the midst of what they described as a terrible situation where many, many angry customers are coming to the stores wanting new batteries and they don't have any new batteries, and there's like a week-long wait time, and people are super angry, and like, I want my free battery, and the public understanding of this problem, as we predicted, is not very good. People are just angry and just want either new batteries for free or new phones, and they're even more angry when you tell them that even if uh, we could give you what you want, you have to wait a week. So, bummer for Apple, but it's kind of their own deal. This is kind of, it reminds me of the Takata, Takata, whatever it is, airbag recall, because I got a notice for my car, geez, I want to say like a year ago, maybe even more, that, oh, your airbag is screwed up, and hey, it may kill you, uh, but there's nothing we can do about it right now because we don't have any. And it wasn't replaced until just a couple of months back. That, to me, is a far more egregious issue in that if I got in an accident, the airbag that's supposed to save my life might actually injure me. Whereas this is just, oh, my phone isn't working as quickly as I want. And man, I took a lot. Of, I heard a lot of grumpy people that were upset at me for not, you know, taking Apple, you know, behind the shed and, and shooting it in the face or whatever, because I was not extremely <laughs> grumpy about this battery issue. That analogy fell fell down as soon as I opened my mouth. Casey has interesting child discipline techniques. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That, that fell down as soon as I opened my mouth, but it was too late. But anyway, um, we'll fix it in post. The point I'm driving at, though, is there were a lot we of won't. people that were really grumpy. I know we won't. That, that were really grumpy <laughs> that, I wasn't, that I wasn't grumpy about this you know, slowdown thing. And I'm sorry, but like, hey, I'm sorry if an older phone isn't as fast as it once was. Like, everyone needs to take a damn chill pill. It's frustrating, yes, but holy cow, people are really worked up about this. It's not an airbag. It's not a malfunctioning seatbelt. 
It's a telephone. It'll be okay. Speaking of cars and recalls, I had an annoying experience with my Honda recently. They had, they had some recall thing, and I was I was think I was going in for regular service anyway, or maybe it was just encouraging me to go in. But anyway, some recall, I'm like, fine, whatever, do my recall thing. It's free, you know, not a big deal. It was like a battery. It was one of those paranoid things where, like, if you get a bunch of salt on this battery terminal, it could potentially spark and do a blah blah blah. And it's like, that's never going to happen. Like, yes, there's salt everywhere, but I'm I'm not afraid my thing is going to explode. You can, you know, I can see the battery; it's sitting right there. It's not in danger of spewing flame. Anyway, whatever. So fine, they do some battery terminal, watch a mahuzi. And I thought it was fine. And then, like, two months later, I get another recall message. I'm like, oh, I I can ignore that. I already did that recall. And my wife was like, no, this is a different recall. Like, for the same thing, for the battery terminal? And my vague understanding of this, I was mostly just too annoyed to look into it uh, very deeply, was that the first recall was, like, a, a temporary patch where they just threw some goop on something or sealed something up to prevent this potential sparking giant explosion from the battery because they didn't have enough of the replacement part that they wanted that they should have replaced it with and the second recall is hey guess what we got the replacement parts now so come back in and we'll get rid of that little temporary fix we did and put in the replacement (laughs) part i suppose it's nice that they would do two recalls for free but as anyone with a car knows it you know even more so than with phones and maybe equally so with uh an all-in-one computer like marco's imac the worst part of any of these things is having to go in to the dealer or having to go in at all it doesn't really matter what they do when they're there or if it costs no money the time and hassle of just getting the car to the dealer and waiting while they do whatever it's so much worse than any other aspect of the experience <laughs> that it almost doesn't matter what they do uh so yeah i had to go to the dealer two times um at least with the apple thing you only have to go once unless i suppose you take a two-hour drive to the mall and get there and find out they tell you that you have to come back in, in a week when they have batteries in stock yeah, I've had similar issues with service issues with Tesla. Like they just are out of every part ever all the time. And like they had a battery they had a um a uh, parking brake recall last summer. I still haven't gotten it done. I'm still waiting for them to call me to tell me they have my part in. Like I I've called them like every like 3 months or so to check on this. <laughs> like they still don't have it. But in the meantime, don't park on hills. What do they tell you? Yeah, I don't <laughs> It was apparently a minor thing, but like like I also <laughs> I ordered snow tires uh on in like early december sometime and when you order something from tesla's online parts store something like that that like has to be installed somehow somewhere what they do is they just deliver it to your local service center and then they call you or email you when it's ready and you set up an appointment to get it installed so i ordered these snow tires in early december time goes by i got nothing i get no emails there's no order status lookup page there's nothing like this is it's like a it's like an online store designed in 1992 like there's like it's the most bare bones thing ever you you halfway expect to see a clear form button on the bottom like it's that it's that bare bones (laughs) so like middle of last week i'm like you know it's snowing constantly i really could use the snow tires where the heck are they and I, i still had nothing from tesla and i got an email saying please rate your recent service experience at tesla and i was like i didn't get any service recently i wonder if maybe their system just didn't send me that email, screwed up in all these different ways, but maybe it thought that them arriving at the service center was a service visit and generated that email. So I called the service center, and sure enough, they're like, oh, yeah, we have them in now. Like, oh, like, they've just been chilling out. Thanks for they're, telling they're, me. They're, they're the office mascot now. You're forcing no tires. Yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, when do you want to come and have them installed? yeah thanks so yeah since i have you (laughs) yeah it's like but yeah it's like everything with tesla service and parts 
is a disaster in just trying to get things there and availability. Everything's constantly backordered. And like the cars are so great. I'm so happy with the car. But God, if you ever need to wait for a part, it's not a good experience. Yeah, it's it's a bummer. All right. So tell me about iPhone 10 screen burn in. There's a question we had about the Apple's first OLED phone. OLED has burn-in issues, supposedly worse burn-in issues than uh, LCD. Uh, and But, of course, Android phones that had OLED screens for a long time, so presumably it was a known quantity. Uh, this is the first test I've seen of an actual iPhone 10 versus a couple of uh, popular Android phones with OLED screens uh, for burn-in. Unfortunately, it is all in... What are we going to say? Is that Chinese? Korean? I'm not good at uh, looking at... Uh, text and telling exactly what's saying about korean i usually look for the, the closed circles because there's yeah, this looks m- more korean to me but i'm not sure yeah Ch- chinese and japanese don't have the closed circles i think i can identify japanese the best anyway uh all that is to say i don't know what it says except what google translate tells me there's a youtube video and an article but the upshot of it appears to be that the iphone 10 resisted burn-in much much better than the two other android phones that they tested they they had it on full brightness on the same image for like hundreds of hours to get very mild burn-in so it looks pretty good probably probably better than like say my ipad 3 or many other past lcd uh, ios devices that i found suffered pretty severe image retention after a couple of years obviously this iphone 10 is newish it's not a three-year-old iphone 10 but compared to its Compared to a couple of contemporary phones, it looks like it's pretty good. So I think Apple got a pretty good screen here. Chat room says Korean. Survey says... Close circles. Close circles. That's the secret. We are sponsored this week by Fracture. Beautiful photos printed directly on glass. Visit Fracture.me and get 15% off your first Fracture order with code ATP17. Fracture prints are awesome. We have them all over our house. We have huge ones. We have tiny ones. All the sizes in between. Fracture prints are just great. Whenever people see them, they always ask, what are those? Or if they're podcast listeners, they say, are those fracture prints? Uh, because they, they just look so nice in person. And also, they make wonderful gifts. We've given them as gifts numerous times, and we get great responses each time, especially for like get, getting pictures of, say, our kid to give to his grandparents. These make such good gifts. Now, even though it's after the holidays, there's going to be times throughout the year where you should get a gift for somebody in your family or a friend and give them a wonderful fracture print of something that will be meaningful to them. And I'm telling you, it'll go over well. They have a sleek, frameless design. The prints go edge to edge in these thin pieces of glass. They come with everything you need right in the box to hang out on your wall. Um, They are actually surprisingly lightweight because it's a very thin piece of glass. Uh, and the, and what holds it up is like a very thin piece of almost like a, like a foam core kind of board be, behind it. So you don't have the, the weight of like having it be all like solid, like two inch thick glass. So you're not, you don't have to worry about it like falling off your wall, breaking, etc. They're wonderful. Trust me, if you want photos printed, and you know what, you should sometimes because you don't want your photos to just live in your Instagram feed for like two seconds and then you never see them again. Get things printed that mean something to you. And the best way to do that is Fracture. So go to Fracture.me and get 15% off your first order with code ATP17. If they ask you where you came, where they, where you heard about them from, where you came from, make sure to tell them ATP. It helps support the show, tells them where their ads are working. So once again, Fracture.me, code ATP17 to get 15% off your first order of those wonderful, beautiful glass photo prints. And when they ask where you came from, please say ATP. Thanks so much to Fracture for sponsoring our show. I do have a very quick 
very quick review of my iMac Pro after finally having a week of like real use. In this week, oh, yeah. I have done lots of podcast editing. I have done Xcode work, programming work with, with iOS apps, with well, my one iOS app. And I have also done a lot of video transcoding. I, I ripped a couple of Blu-rays and uh, did some video transcoding work, uh, including some pretty heavy ones like trying to do H.265 and everything else. I have yet to hear the fan spin up. Like, I have thrown everything I can at this CPU. Granted, I have almost, I've done almost nothing to the GPU, because that's, you know, my, my workload is typically very CPU-heavy and pretty light on the GPU. Oh, I also imported, um, I think, 400 pictures from the uh, Sony a7R three, which we got to, and did uh, rent, had, had Lightroom render one-to-one previews on import, which I usually do for various reasons. Um, so... I threw everything I could at the CPU. I've seen all the cores either be maxed out or be almost maxed out for sustained periods. I cannot get the fan to spin up into a, to, to a level that it's audible. Did you play games? No, of course not. I don't play games. But it was... You get to, to play some games on your computer. <laughs> Why? We have, the, we have the Nintendo Switch. It's the, best, it's the best game platform ever. Why would I play games on my computer? Because it, you want to stress this, the CPU and the GPU at the same time. Double the heat. No, but I don't care. Do you, do you play games in your fax machine? Like, no, it just this, this is, is for, not a- for science, not for you. It's for science. <laughs> anyway, so uh, all this is to say that so far oh, in my in my week of using this computer pretty heavily, um, I'm just incredibly happy with it. It is so good. It is so fast. It is so quiet. Um, it, it is, it, and it's just. It just has no limits for me. Like, not everything is perfectly fast and stable, but that's that's down to software, not hardware. Like, it is just so damn good. I'm incredibly happy with the iMac Pro, and I would say it is. I wouldn't say extremely likely that I wouldn't ever need another Mac Pro again. Um, but <laughs> okay, but it is. Everyone, mark this down. I, I'm just saying it is somewhat likely that I might mm-hmm. not need the Mac Pro. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't need the macro, but I might not want a macro after this. Like, this is so uh-huh. so damn good that even though I, I mean, I think you know John's assertion last episode was correct that there's pretty much no chance that I don't at least buy the Mac Pro. Uh, so, so I am I am probably going to buy it. But uh, man, this is good. And anybody who thinks, oh, maybe this won't be as good as the Mac Pro, I should wait. Honestly, I don't think you need to wait. This is the new Mac Pro for all intents and purposes, and it's so good that if you have a need for this kind of computer right now, just get this. It's amazing. I'm glad you like it. I really am. I think it's hilarious that you think you would even, for a fleeting moment, say no to a Mac Pro. I mean, this is like when I was talking about the Apple Watch that I didn't want. or (laughs) There were like three or four things in a row that I told everyone I didn't want and then ended up immediately reneging on. BMWs, Macs. Yeah, exactly. I, I I don't think I want a HomePod, so let's just put that on record right now. Um, yeah, I don't think I do either. You have no problem sticking to that one if they never ship it. <laughs> Good point. But I, I think it's pretty obvious that both of us wind up with a HomePod. Um, so to address me mania in the chat, can you functionally tell that this is a much better computer than the regular iMac without benchmarking or stress testing? That's a very good question. You can tell that just whenever you do anything multi-threaded, it is noticeably faster, obviously, because I'm going from four cores to ten. So, like, you're going to see that difference. Like, that that's a big difference. It also, you know, besides, like, you know, the cosmetic stuff, like the space grain and everything, it also just, being able to operate no matter what you throw at it in silence 
is a pretty big difference from the 5K iMac. The 5K iMac, for all, like, as I mentioned last episode, I, you know, having used that computer for three years, it's a great computer. And for a lot of people, that is plenty. That's fine. But the one thing that always got me about it that was not true of Mac Pros is that it w- you would hear the fan spin up, up and down, up and down, as you, if you, if you were pushing the CPU really hard for things, you'd hear the fan come up and down with it. Uh, whereas with this, that doesn't happen. So, that is a pretty big difference if you're if you're doing things that really stress it and if you care about fan noise if one of those things is not true for you then you're fine with the with the regular iMac and but it's you you're definitely getting something for the additional money here in addition to the performance increases and the different architecture and you know the ECC and stuff like that i would say the 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 ability to run in that silence could easily come to the iMac uh, to the regular iMac, if they redesigned it thermally to be more like this. But they can't do that, as far as I can tell, until they remove all ability to put a 3.5-inch hard drive in there. Because if you look at how the internals of these things are laid out, the reason the iMac Pro is able to cool itself, to for not only to cool itself with just such a high thermal load with all these, all these high-end components in it, but I think one of the reasons they're able to do it so quietly is because they have a giant heat sink and fan assembly located right in the middle of the back, the thickest part of the enclosure, and that is right where the 3.5-inch hard drive goes in a regular iMac. So if they continue to ship iMacs with hard drive options available... Uh, which honestly, I think the time for that is just about done. You know, probably the next major generation of iMac. I assume they're probably going to drop the hard drive option, and if they do, then they can adopt this kind of thermal design, and then they can run it in silence too. The other place people might notice a speed difference on the iMac Pro, which is unfortunately undercut by an even more dramatic speed difference, is if you do if if you're coming from a computer like a like a iMac 5K or even older that has a spinning drive, even if it's an fusion drive configuration, and you do lots of uh, reading and writing very large files. And I was going to say, oh, you really notice it when you duplicate a 3-gig file, but unfortunately, APFS makes duplicating a 3-gig file in the same volume instantaneous. So it kind (laughs) of kills your ability to see the benchmark. What I'm getting at is that the SSDs in the iMac Pro are very, very fast, especially for large bulk transfers of huge files. It could be that it ends up being, you know, if, if you're not hooked up to 10 gig Ethernet, your three gigs per second of disk IO, you're never, you're never going to see that. Uh, you're never going to see it on the same volume because the APFS will instantly copy it. And you're never going to see it across the wire because you're limited by the speed of Ethernet. Uh, but rest assured that the disk is much faster. So if you do things that have, do a lot of IO, say just reading a very large file into RAM or saving out a large file, you may notice those progress bars speed up. And that's not a multi-threaded thing. It's just like you know, if you're ever used to staring at a progress bar when disk I.O. is going on, that progress bar should go faster uh, on the iMac Pro than it does on other computers. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're just running single threaded applications, the iMac Pro is actually slower than the 5K, the top end 5K iMac for some single threaded tasks, depending on how many cores you get in it. But it's all it's all about the multi core. And I suppose if you're doing anything having to do with the GPU, the GPU in the iMac Pro, even though Marco never uses it to do anything except for show windows <laughs> on his screen, is way, way faster than the 5K iMacs. I think Lightroom uses it. Well, plus, uh, I've heard reports from Marco, from Underscore, and from Jason Snell about how much faster FFmpeg is and in transcoding video is on their fancy pants iMac Pros. And pretty much everyone is, has independently concluded that it's about twice as fast as their prior 5k imax now i think 
everyone had older 5K iMacs than I have, but nevertheless, it's basically a 2X improvement. And that makes me sad because although I don't uh, transcode stuff as much as I probably paint it, I do it often enough that I wish I had more speed with which to do it. But do I want to spend $5,000 plus to transcode videos quicker? No, no, I don't. Speaking of spending a shedload of money, Marco, tell me about your camera. <laughs> I love that. That's, uh, my name always comes after that phrase. <laughs> mm-hmm. It sure does. So um, sometime last year, um, I described that I had sold my my formerly beloved Sony a7R2 um, to Stephen Hackett, incidentally, uh, because I was not happy with its speed and battery life were the two big issues with it. And I had gone back to uh, Canon SLRs uh, back from, from whence I came, and uh, and I was very happy with the handling and everything of Canon SLRs. Um, I was never as happy with the pictures I would get out of the Canon SLRs because the Sony had not only a pretty big megapixel advantage, and, and the camera I'm talking about on the, on the Canon side is the 5D Mark IV, um, which is an amazing camera. And so, but the the, the, main, the main problem was that it doesn't it didn't have the megapixels. It did have the anti-aliasing uh, filter over the sensor so it was you couldn't quite get the the level of sharpness out of out of the uh canon and it didn't have as advanced of an autofocus system and so my my hit rate was not as good it also didn't have in-body stabilization so like it, it also just kind of further lowered the hit rate and it couldn't quite achieve the high iso numbers or dynamic range and shadows that the sony could it was very close uh, but it, but it was you know it was a noticeable downgrade in those areas, but I was happy with the Canon because it was just so much more pleasurable to use because everything was so much faster and it handled so much better and everything. Um, and and I I would still stand by the fact that if you are shooting events like if you're some in some kind of pro role, I think the Canon line is still what you want. Um, and maybe Nikon too. I'm sorry, Nikon fans. I don't know anything about Nikon really. I rented a D750 once, and it was great. Um, but when it came time to buy, I, I wasn't that convinced by the lens lineup for what I actually would want in, in my lenses, and so I didn't. I didn't go Nikon at any of these points. But anyway, um, the the main problem I had with the Canon again was just that I wasn't getting my favorite images out of it. Like. I, I, as I was looking back, like most of my most of my favorite images were shot by the Sony, and the Canon Canon was so much more pleasurable to use and way faster, and the battery life was way better. Um, but I I just was not getting images that blew me away out of it. Um, it really is made for pro use, and that's where it really does excel. Um, but that's not what I needed. I really just wanted a camera that gave me shockingly good images. Um, that, that just made me feel something like about how good they were. And the Canon just didn't do that. Um, uh, late last, late in 2017, it's so like, you know, a couple months ago, uh, Sony announced the a7R 3 and it doesn't actually change that much from the a7R 2 but two of the big things it changes are battery life and performance. <laughs> the two big problems I have Convenient. with the two. Yeah. Um, it's the same sensor, a couple of minor improvements here and there, but uh, for the most part, it's, it's fairly similar um, but a battery that's like two and a half times the size, uh, and the, and, and a significantly upgraded, uh, image processor and interface and everything else. So it's just a lot snappier. I decided, uh, since Christmas, the, the Christmas season is by far my heaviest photography time. I decided right before Christmas, you know what? 
let me try it. Because one thing I did when I left the Sony ecosystem, uh, I kept my two favorite lenses, the 35 2.8 and the 55 1.8 primes. Um, I, I kept both of those thinking, you know, if I ever go back, I'll have these lenses. I won't have to rebuy them. If I don't go back after a couple years, I'll sell them. They'll still have a lot of value. And it's not going to matter whether I sell them now or in a year or two. Um, so I still had the lens. So all I, all I did was buy the body and I figured, you know what? Let me try it. If it's terrible, I can return it or sell it or something. And so I, I shot all through Christmas with it. And it is fantastic. It is so, so good. It is still not to the levels of performance and battery life that the Canon offers, that, that most SLRs can offer. But it's now close enough. It's now like those things are not huge hindrances that annoy me while using it. Um, they're just now very minor, you know, limitations. But it's a it's a massive difference in those two areas. And I have taken shots that I just love from this camera. Like it is just so good. And because of the features it offers and some other performance areas it offers, um, especially in regards to autofocus features, autofocus performance, and low light performance and in-body stabilization, it, it is just an incredibly high keeper rate of what I shoot compared to you know my regular uh, SLR use. So I'm now back in the Sony world, I guess, and it's really, really a very good camera. And it is not cheap. None of this stuff is cheap. I mean, it's the camera is like $3,000, and the, the lenses I just mentioned I think are seven or eight hundred dollars each uh this is not a, a cheap thing to do but no camera that offers this level of performance is cheap um you know the, the canon slrs aren't cheap either so you know the, it, within the realm of what you get i think it is well priced and it is really really good and i'm very glad i have it so what does tiff think of it because she was even when you had the the r2 she was the uh the SLR, the Canon SLR uh, diehard who didn't want to come over to the Sony side of the fence or the mirrorless side of the fence even. Yeah, she very much prefers the Canons. Uh, but she said over Christmas that she was glad that I got this because it is it, the, the Sony has pretty big advantages when you're shooting indoors in low light, which a lot of our Christmas shooting is exactly that. Um, and so, she, and, and it's also just, you know, small and unobtrusive and easy to handle and easy to like have around like in the living room while we're opening gifts and stuff like that. So it's like, it, it was a very, very good camera for our needs for, for Christmas. And so even though it is not her favorite camera the rest of the year, she was very happy I have it. And, uh, and you know, it, it's going to continue to be my camera basically. And the Canons will resume being her cameras the way they used to be. Uh, but yeah, so she's, far, glad, she's glad you're around to use the camera she doesn't like. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and and she's glad looks I, good on you though. And she's and she's glad that I that I don't no longer need to use hers. Don't laugh at that. You didn't get that reference. I didn't. No, no I, I, didn't. I was laughing was at your funny. voice. Really, exactly. <laughs> Trust me, that was a dead-on imitation of the thing I was referencing. Good. Congratulations. <laughs> I give you one point. <laughs> as far as you know, it's dead on. I don't, yeah. And may knows? God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> Actually, that was no points. Yeah, that's all right. Yep. Anyway. All right, so you like your camera. That's good. So what are the what are the complaints about other than cost? Like so you, are you are you 100% happy now or you, uh, outside of the fact that you're broke or are you just 90% happy? I'm pretty happy. I mean, the battery life is now good enough. Like it's it's to the point where you can I was able to shoot with it like all day and not have to not have to swap batteries and and that's that's way different than the A7R2. Um 
you know, like I, I laughed. The A7R2, when it, when it came out, it came with two batteries in the box. That's how bad the battery life is on the A7R2, that they ship it with two batteries. Like, I've never seen any electronic of any kind that came with two of its own batteries because the battery life was so bad they knew you would need both. <laughs> like, that's... The, I've literally never seen that before or since. Um, but, you know, this one only comes with one for a reason. Like, you really don't... Like, one is fine. I have a second one just because I was afraid. So I bought a second one and, like, I did swap it a couple times, like, during downtime on Christmas Day, like, when we had, like, you know you know, no need to shoot for like 20 minutes. I would swap anyway, but I didn't need to. And it's, I, I swapped twice and I, I like compared like the, you know, the, the percentages. And I was like, Oh, I didn't need, I didn't even need to swap at all. This is, this is great. So battery life, huge thumbs up the performance of things like, you know, reviewing images quickly to make sure like you got the focus right and everything. Um, it is way faster than it was. It also has a pretty good feature where on the A7, this is this is really nitpicky, and no one who doesn't own this will even care. But quickly, uh, this is a pretty big upgrade. The A7R2, if you would try to do something while it was writing to the card, it would say operation not available for a lot of things that you try to do. This one doesn't do that anymore. That's a huge. So like <laughs> that's like a big waiting point from A7R2 that is gone on A7R3. Um, so anyway, stuff like that. There's just, there's a, a number of big and small improvements that remove tons of friction and annoyances from this camera that that would that were there in the A7R2. And the A7R2 is an awesome camera already. Like so, to, to be able to improve on it so substantially in only I think two years from the original release, like that's pretty good. Um, so very very happy. At the moment, I really have no major complaints about it. Good. Did they change the interface? The the horrible as far as i'm concerned like menu system interface the sony thing oh yeah it, it they changed it from one disaster to another so it's it's a lateral move <laughs> it's, it's it's different i don't think it's better but it is different so they had to learn where to find things all over again was that under the suitcase on screen seven or <laughs> yeah it looks like they added they added a little joystick to the back of it too for like yes. focus moving and stuff yes i don't really use that very often but it is nice uh, when you need it and they replaced the weird sony AFMF switch with a uh, uh, switch with a button in the middle of it that's gone now. Oh yeah, the weird AM, the yeah the DMF thing that's now that's in the menu somewhere. I don't know. It's I I usually keep it in continuous focus. And I use that middle button for eye autofocus. Do you ever use eye autofocus? Is that on this? Camera? I always use eye autofocus. It, that's one of the things that makes the focus engine so awesome on this. Do what button do you have that assigned to? Oh, I just have it on all the time. I, th- I thought it was a button. Yeah, at least on my camera, I think it's a button you have to sign it to. I know they uh, upgraded it in some way for this. I wasn't. I, I never used it on the two, um, so I don't know if it's that different in that way. But yeah, the the eye priority autofocus is great, uh, and and I I use it frequently. Because on my camera, when you do it half button down, it will it will never do eye autofocus. You have to press another button that you assign to be eye autofocus, and then the little green square zooms right in on their eyeball, and you know it's doing it. Like you get the tiny little green square. Oh, maybe of the big I, maybe I'm not doing it. Face thing because <laughs> I think you're not doing it. Go there's off. face priority autofocus. I have that always enabled. That but there might be a different thing. Yeah, the the autofocus. You'll know you're doing it because it makes the the green focus rectangle literally the size of the like their iris. And it just pin, pinned onto their iris. All right, I'll play with it. Yeah, because I, I just get like the whole face as, as the green rectangle. Yeah, and the reason I bring it up is because I use that middle, I use that button in the middle of the AFMF switch to be my eye autofocus switch because it's like a thumb thing. But now with that button gone and replaced by the joystick, I'm not sure what I'd press. Although you have those programmable buttons, like what the hell they call Yeah, there's there's like six different buttons you can program to do whatever you want. So it's there's you definitely have options. Um, also, one thing with the battery life being so much better, 
it allows me to turn on features that the A7R2 had, but that I didn't use because it would kill the battery more. So one example of that is, I believe, I believe it's called pre-AF, um, where like the kind of tries to keep autofocus in a in a reasonably ready state before you actually push the button halfway down, um, like just as you're looking around in through the viewfinder. Um, that I can now leave on because the battery is not so bad that you have to like turn off half the features to conserve battery life. And that's pre as f- Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. I know. I it's that's fine. Yeah. Did you? Uh... Did they make the the grip bigger on the body too? Like the little part you grab with your right hand, does it like poke out from the camera more? Um, I no longer have the two, so I can't do a side by side comparison. But um, the whole camera body got slightly deeper, um, so maybe oh, like the overall grip on it might be slightly bigger. Um, but it's not a it's not a huge difference. I'm trying to figure out where they put the two and a half times as big battery. Like, because the battery's in that grip, like the part where you hold it. So the hole where the battery goes has to be bigger. So maybe the grip is bigger. I think that's why the whole body is bigger. Honestly, it's it's mostly to, for the oh, there's also now dual card slots. Um, the the cards have uh, well, the bottom card has UHS two. It has like the whole extra row of terminals. So does the iMac Pro card reader. So that's way faster now. Uh, the camera also has USB three, and it has both a micro USB and a USB C port. Either one of which can be used to power the computer, to power the camera, charge the battery, and transfer photos. Oh, that's nice. USB-C on camera is is my dream. Every time I plug in that terrible micro USB, whatever that connector is, it always feels like it's broken and you have to stare at it for 10 minutes to make sure you have it the right (laughs) way before you you try to jam it in. Yep, that's a big that's that's a big like quality of life improvement, <laughs> and and like just a having the camera be able to charge itself over USB, which the two could do, but Canons can't. Um, that's I love that feature alone because that means for you know most places you would bring it, you don't have to bring a separate battery charger uh, unless you really need like super fast charging while one battery is in use. But you know if you now it, hold on. I think you're underplaying this. Even with your amount of enthusiasm, uh, my beloved, and I love this camera, my Olympus OMD uh, EM10 has an external battery charger that is not terribly small, and the cable is not terribly uh, conducive to being wrapped up cleanly and nicely. It drives me insane, and I would give almost anything to be able to charge the battery within the camera itself. That that in and of itself would make me give all of my money to Sony or you know Olympus or what have you, so I could be so I could charge the stupid batteries in the camera. <laughs> That's tremendous. Most Sonys offer that feature, by the way, including John's, I believe, right? Yeah, but before you say that, though, you should consider what uh, like I don't I don't know who came up with this design. It surely wasn't Sony, but. Anyone who has a camera, fancy or otherwise, is probably familiar with the idea of a panel somewhere on your camera, probably with like a fingernail ridge on it, that they expect you to like disengage somehow. And then it just swings out of the way on this flimsy single pivot and hopefully doesn't crack off. Like the the doors you have (laughs) to move to get at the Mm -hmm. USB things are like the worst designed, flimsiest, most terrifying, they're going to snap off of my $3,000 camera in two seconds if I'm not careful, doors. And it doesn't have to be that way. Like, it's possible to make a sturdy door covering a bunch of ports, but cameras don't. They they do, like, literally the... It's like, by how little material can we attach this flimsy plastic door to our camera? Can we do it by, <laughs> like, a, like, a human hair? Then do that. And, I, and, and then you can't quite swing them totally out of the way. I'll tell you what, though. I've never had one break. I know, because everyone is super careful with them. You treat them with kid gloves, yeah. you're like, ooh, this is, looks delicate, <laughs> so you're super careful with it. The one on my camera is actually not that bad. It actually slides like back and then out, and it's almost like a, 
a double hinge thing, but I see the picture of the A7R3, and it's got three giant flimsy door, doors all connected at one point, all of which partially block the ports unless you, like, twist them, like, 720 degrees around, like, rotate them out of the way until you find the position where they're not blocking the ports. I really wish they would fix that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not asking for waterproof cameras here. I'm just saying, like, make the doors a little bit more... A little bit more sturdy to match. The rest of the camera looks pretty <laughs> rugged, like, but those those doors, no good. Well, well, I wish you didn't like this camera as much as you do, Marcos. I was hoping you'd be like, oh no, it's still no good. I go back to my Canon because now I want this camera and it costs too much money. <laughs> I mean, that would be funnier on the show if I did that, but I, I, unfortunately, I don't. I don't see it happening. I'm, I, I'm just so much happier with like, th- as I said, like the A7R2 was such a great camera, but just was let down by a few of its, you know lacking technologies or choices and this one fixes them all so it's <laughs> it's really good you were pessimistic about it too by the way when, when the camera came out like oh no one had gotten to test it yet you were like oh no it's probably not gonna be that great maybe the battery life's better but whatever but i will yeah because we had we had an ask atp question like three four months ago when it came out from somebody saying am i gonna get it and and at the, yeah at the time i said like i'll see what the reviews say but i don't think it would be a better enough battery or better enough performance to make it worth it. And then all the real, all the early reviews were so glowing and positive, especially on those two fronts uh, that, and actually what made me get it was one of the reviews that said the little nitpicky thing I said earlier, where like you can keep navigating menus while it's riding to the card. As soon as I read that, I'm like, Oh my God, huge difference buying it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Have you tried the uh, insane uh, frame rate for the burst photos? on anything uh no i don't i don't usually do high speed bursts i think it can go up to like 10 frames a second something like that it goes Um, way higher than you ever really want it to like the iphone goes pretty insanely high too but like you know i do lots of burst photos because i do action photos uh on like uh you know the ocean or vacation and i don't think i've ever gone uh above the mid setting which is like half of the rate that my camera is able to do and i think this one is able to go it's, it's you practically take like slow-mo movies with the number of frames per second it's it's pretty ridiculous yeah then unlike the iphone you don't have like keep only one frame from the burst you have to sort through all 900 photos you just took by holding down the the (laughs) shutter button for three seconds and every one of them is like a 45 megabyte raw file that takes lightroom like 10 seconds to import (laughs) burst burst photos especially at the highest speed are it's like a um it's like a stress test for your ability to to do pics from your own photos Right, because you have to go through like a hundred pictures, all of which are nearly identical to each other, and decide: Do I want this one or that one? This one or that one? This one or that one? This one? You're like they're practically identical. They're two pixels different. Which one do I delete? It's lots of fun. Yeah, I, I have rarely found bursts worthwhile. I used to like back when I was like when I was in, like earlier in my photography hobby, like you know five ten years ago. I would I would I kept it in continuous shooting mode. And would frequently shoot like a three or four picture burst for whatever whatever I was getting, and that would be over about a second. Um, but over time, I, I, I first of all I just kind of got better at timing it, and so I didn't need the burst as much. Um, but also, I realized like I was never it was never worth the time or the storage overhead or the processing overhead. You know, I, I wasn't getting enough out of it, so I, I just switched to single shot uh, most of the time, and it's totally fine. Well, for sports, you still need the burst. Like, that's what I'm using. If people are in motion, playing a sport or running or, you know, jumping in the ocean waves, burst is the way to go because there's just no other way to get the shot that you want. But, yeah, burst is annoying as anything for situations where people are not performing a sport. Because you end up like with three pictures of everybody. Yeah, yeah. Burst makes a lot of sense for like for like pros or people shooting soccer or pros shooting soccer. But 
yeah, my family is not that high motion. I would recommend that even if you you know if people are like playing badminton in the backyard at a family gathering, try burst for those things. You know, for people doing sports, if they're performing a motion like they're you know swatting at the little birdie thing or they're hitting a volleyball or blocking a jump shot, uh, even just a burst of three or four, you know, usually all of them are crap. But every once in a while, one of them is good, and you realize if I had taken a single shot, the odds of me getting that one weren't good. So when people are in motion in very bright sunlight, obviously. Uh, you know, you use that, uh, that sport preset on your Sony camera that, uh, you know, cranks down the, the shutter speed, uh, and turn on burst mode, not on the high setting. Cause then you'll get like every hair moving on their body, uh, but just <laughs> on the, you know, on the mid or low setting to get a couple of choices. That's how I've gotten most of my good ocean pictures. Cause you're in waist deep in the ocean and waves are crashing on people you need a couple you need a burst to get anything good out of that and you know very often both ends of the burst are garbage so you're like boy it's a good thing it's a good thing i got that middle part there if i had just put the, the shutter down when i thought it was happening got one picture odds of it being good are very small i like nostalgia null in the chat suggest maybe you could binary search through the burst it's like all right start in the middle Solid. <laughs> do I, does what i want before or no, after this? the problem is the judgment <laughs> the, the the problem is the judgment the judgment call like you will get down to sort of more or less the the portion of the pose that you want but then you will have five pictures to choose from that if you had to put them side by side you'd be hard-pressed to say are these the same picture or are they different yeah i I think if if you're getting that little variation then either your frame rate is too high or you don't need to be shooting bursts that's why i say don't go above mid because these things the frame rate i forget what it is i think it's like is is it like 40 or 60 i don't know it might be faster than the the a9 is the sport uh, oriented model that one i think can go faster i think the a7r3 is either like 7 or 10 frames a second but the a9 i think might be 15 or 20 no it's gotta be faster than that mine is faster than that is it because the giant sensor can't get the data onto the card i I believe it can't get the data off the sensor fast enough i think that's usually the limitation yeah no mine mine is faster than that because i have the smaller sensor and we're not talking about video mode. We're talking about, like, photos. Yeah, yeah right? camera, just plain old photos. Yeah, yeah okay, the A9 is up to 20 frames a second. Anyway, 10, 10 pictures for one second goes by faster than you think. It is 10, yeah. So <laughs> A7R3 is 10, A9 is 20. Oh, have, speaking of video, have you shot any video with it? Or are you still just iPhone only for that? I'm just iPhone only for that. I, I really, I don't shoot, and I know this is, like, it's weird. Like, high-end cameras like this have, have themselves in a, in a weird market where um, basically around the time of the canon 5d mark ii which came out in 2008 um the the slr market shifted dramatically because the mark ii was the first like the first widely available slr that could shoot really good video and like so good that it was actually better than a lot of pro video cameras at the time and that trend has continued and while pro video cameras now you know have are, are now better in certain ways and certain things um a lot of video is shot on slrs and high-end mirrorless cameras like a lot of pro level video is shot using these cameras and so video dictates a lot of their feature set because that's the people who are actually buying these things so it's funny like the, it's hard to find good reviews of these cameras if you're not into video because so many of the reviews focus so heavily on videos so that, that's what so many of the buyers are that's what so many of the features are for that's what so many of the changes are every year uh, i really don't shoot video with fancy cameras very often and it's not because it's not good it looks great when you do it it's because i'm not a good enough videographer to do it and if I just shoot video with my iPhone, it turns out way better because the iPhone does a way better job at autofocus. And also the iPhone tends to be way better at, um, oh, and also it has built-in stabilization, of course, but also the iPhone is way better at audio. Like whatever it does with 
its built-in mics and the noise cancellation that it does between them, it is way better at its built-in audio than the crappy little built-in mics that are on SLRs. And granted, pro video people don't use the built-in mics, or at least they shouldn't. Um, so, you know, there's not much of a market demand for the camera makers to make their camera built-in mics awesome. But if you're just a casual person shooting with what you have in your hand without any external equipment, the iPhone will shoot way better video and way better audio along with it than most of these cameras will do, you know, in, in a layman's hands. We are sponsored this week by Linode, my web host of choice. Visit linode.com slash ATP for more info and to get a $20 credit, use promo code ATP17 at checkout. Linode is a great web host. They can't pay me to tell you that. I'm telling you by my own volition. They are an awesome host and it's where you can see by my actions. It's where I host all my stuff because I've tried a lot of web hosts in my day, really a lot. I have been personally administering of something like 200 servers in my career so far. And Linode is by far my favorite host. They have Linux VPS hosting. Uh, it is really good rates. They have uh, plans start at just $5 a month. That gives you one gig of RAM. They also scale up to lots of plans, big and small, for all your different needs. I have plans. I have one that's 48 gigs for certain databases, and I, I use a lot of their little uh, $20 plan and a little $10 plan, and these are great for servers. And you can run so much stuff on your own virtual server. Um, you know, the basic stuff like, you know, installing your own CMS and applications, developing applications maybe you can also do stuff like host a git repository um, you can run docker containers you can run vpns there's so much control you have over a full linux server uh, with linode and it is just by far the nicest control panel i've ever seen they have a nice api it's easy to control everything and set things up and change things it's wonderful if you need a web host you need linode to be your web host so check out Linode today at linode.com slash ATP. If you use promo code ATP17 at checkout, you will get a $20 credit. That can give you four free months on their cheapest plan. Um, that's a really good deal. They're also hiring. If you go to linode.com slash careers, I bet listeners of the show could find a job there if you're looking for one. Uh, so anyway, check it out. Linode.com slash ATP. By far my favorite web host I've ever used. I just keep putting more and more stuff there because they just make it so easy and they're so much better than everybody else. So check it out. Linode.com slash ATP. Code ATP17 for a $20 credit. Thank you so much to Linode for sponsoring our show. So programming note. Baby? No, but oh. uh, I think we should choose wisely. So... I want is I have ARM Windows PCs. See, we have next, different goals here. Your goal is to end the show early. My goal <laughs> yeah, is to yeah, have yeah. you have to leave the show to have a baby. If because no. I think that would be amazing. We're, we're going to avoid that. <laughs> well, we just jump to Ask ATP immediately, and then we'll ch check back in and see how we're doing. All right. Then you'll just restitch it all in post. No, we'll just have a longer after show. Yeah. No. All right. I'm okay with that. We'll just keep going the after show until that baby comes, damn it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, right. Casey, tell us more about your Jeep Wrangler ambitions. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you've asked. I saw a broken down Wrangler on a tow truck bed the other day. I thought of you. Oh, thanks, buddy. I saw I saw a Wrangler <laughs> with uh, purple, uh, I assume, LED rings on the headlights <laughs> during the day. So it was like during the day, but there was two purple circles looking at me. I think that's I think that uh, that that's now stock on the newer ones. Not purple, of course, but like really? the new ones. I think do have like angel eye style. I might be wrong about that. Oh, so God. Uh, double double check my work on that. But I think that might be stock now. That's anyway. It. I love that. Like the the Jeep Wrangler, if you just look in like 
not only how they can be configured stock, but like just look at what people do to them after the fact. And it's just a, a wonderful tour of bad decisions and bad designs and tackiness oh, and stop. horribleness. It's, it's just it's, it's a so different bad. purpose. The purpose isn't to be luxurious and fancy. The purpose is to break. Shit. Hopefully oh, not itself, God. but whatever. Oh, well, uh, unfortunately, actually, that doesn't. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, yeah, it breaks yeah. itself quite often. <laughs> it occurred to me. Um, I think it was earlier today that. Uh, I don't want the Accord because you can't get any of the nice fancy bits with it, with the one I would get. I may or may not want the Wrangler because it has obviously as much as I'm trying to defend it, it a whole world of its own problems. I don't want a Golf R because I want a sunroof. I really friggin' love sunroofs. You can think I'm weird. You can think I'm crazy. I like a sunroof. It, it makes me happy. I'm with you on that. Sunroofs are awesome. Right. So in the Golf R, you can't get with the sunroof. So what do I, I? I'm out of options. I either go BMW and hate myself, slash maybe get a divorce, or I get like a GTI, which is wrong wheel drive and not as fast. And then I'll hate myself for not having the no, Golf R. No, like, no. What do you do? What do you do? I'm not. That's a rhetorical question. Keep fixing your car until something better comes along. That's probably the answer. But at that point, I'm going to run out. That's of, my Mac Pro technique. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> Ten years that's later, a very good point. That's a very, very good point. Oh man, that's funny. Well, or alternately, keep fixing your car until you are like consulting millionaire and you can buy Julia. Yeah, that's that's the answer. Actually, that doesn't have sunroof either. The the quadrifold oh. doesn't anyway. I know. I mean, in a week, it didn't bother me. Sunroof stink. I'm anti sunroof. Well, because you're tall and you hate things. There's nothing worse than having your hair touch the headliner. Nothing that worse. Is, that <laughs> is the best summary of your perspective on uh, on sunroofs, is you're tall and you hate things. I know, it, it's true. Have you, I, I'm going to say Marco hasn't for various reasons, but uh, Casey, <laughs> have you ever had your hair touch the headliner in a car? Oh, it's infuriating. But uh, I have a couple of friends, I, don't know, I guess just one in particular that I'm thinking of, that is about the same height as you. So I'm like six foot, give or take, in inch depending on the day and you're what six two is that right yeah but i got more neck <laughs> <laughs> more of my height is above the belt line <laughs> oh man john i love you but anyway the point i'm driving at is is that he hates sunroofs because sunroofs sunroofs whatever because he's constantly complaining and moaning about his head hitting the uh the, the headliner because apparently it's worse when you have a sunroof i don't really understand that since there's a- yeah it intrudes into the interior space that's why i never buy cars with sunroofs because it makes it makes most cars fit me with no sunroof as soon as you put the sunroof in head hits the headliner almost always no matter how no matter how low you can make the seat go it's true even true in hondas yeah, because like they don't make the car like the sunroof is thicker, and they don't make the car taller. They just make it intrude into the interior space, and they don't make the they don't make the seats go down lower either. Like they could do that; they could say, "Okay, on the sunroof models, the seat goes down an extra two inches," but they don't. The the problems of tall people. Yeah, well, and I thought I had the poofier hair of the two of us, but you know, whatever. I used to have the poofy hair in my youth. See, and this 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 is only a problem if you are tall and have tall hair. No, you don't need to have tall hair. If, you're at, if your physical skull hits the headliner, which can happen, depending on the car, it doesn't matter what your hairstyle is. But it's almost worse when your skull doesn't hit it, but your hair just barely hits it because it gets all staticky and it pull, it's, it's the worst. It's the worst. Yeah, I really feel bad for you guys. That's, that sounds awful. You should. You should. I feel bad for your head sunburn, and you should feel bad for my uh, tickly hair headliner thing. 
savage. Wow, this is getting aggressive. All right, let's 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 tone it I down. I do always have to wear a hat in the summertime. <laughs> it's funny. I actually can't use my sunroof in the summertime usually Aww. because I have to wear a hat. And when I do, that my, it, it blows off like if it's windy. So uh, <laughs> so usually I, I get most of my sunroofing done in the, uh, in the off season, in like the fall, winter, and spring um, when I can have it hat-free and hopefully not get a sunburn on my head in January. That's why Casey wants a Wrangler. No roof. Right. I'm saying. Uh, although it'll totally f*** up my hair every time, and so then I have a whole new world of problems. Oh, yeah. He's too, you're too vain for a Wrangler. Never mind. I know. I'm saying. Uh, and by the way, Tim underscore underscore underscore, I have never driven a GTI, and everyone I know who has ever had, that's the key phrase here, had a GTI, always says that I'm crazy to want the Golf R, the GTI is better. But I do know that I f- hate front wheel drive with all of my being and so that is one major reason why i suspect i would not like a gti i should try it and i probably will try it if the time ever comes but i hate front wheel drive um and i'm assuming and i'm swearing like a sailor because i'm assuming none of this is making the show you used to you used to hate automatics too and then you got the julia so. <laughs> touche it's fair yeah, point i mean honestly real- like it, it, you're really getting yourself into a bmw like it, it, with, with more I, but look it's not a big deal like be, just know going into it in the same way like when you buy an apple product we all love apple products but we also know that okay in two years they're going to release something that makes this look ancient and if it's an ios product in two years it's going to be a lot slower than when i bought it because the the new os will be slower on this hardware you know like you just kind of know that like this is going to degrade in my satisfaction or in actual usage in certain ways over time you know that going into it and so you you know you plan for that you you know you, you do what you can to complain about it on on podcast but for the most part you're kind of stuck with it <laughs> and so you deal with it because it's better than buying windows right and so like in this case like if if the if all the attributes of a car that you actually like a lot seem to really pretty much only be available on BMWs it's not that ridiculous for you to buy another BMW even though your current one has given you lots of service trouble just know going into it make the decision accordingly that like this is going to cost money in repairs if i have to repair it so you can then either you, you know you can make different decisions about things like you know how much do you spend on it in the first place maybe you like do you save a budget for repairs later or do you do you lease something or finance something under warranty and then get rid of it or sell it when it's out of warranty like you know you can make different decisions it doesn't mean you need to get something that is severely lacking in areas you care about just to spite this company that couldn't give less of a damn about you <laughs> that's fair i don't know in in part of the reason why the Volkswagen line or train of thought is appealing to me is because they're now offering six-year warranties. As far as I'm aware, anyway, they're offering six-year warranties on all their cars. And I tend to own a car for between six and 10 years. So there there is something appealing to me in having a car that is warranted for that long. And granted, I could get like an extended warranty for, I could have gotten an extended warranty for my car. Oh, don't get those. Those are pains. In the, no, those are ripoffs. Right. And that's the thing is that even if, you know, like I, a buddy of mine who has a 2011 335, he got an extended warranty for his and had uh, some sort of 
actually similar problem to my valve train, although it, it, I guess it was just starting to go and then fixed itself or something. I forget the details. I know that sounds funny. Just go with it. So anyway, he asked the you know extended warranty people, hey, can I go ahead and get this repaired? And they were like, well, if the car is not actively exhibiting the problem, then no. Despite the fact that the BMW tech was like, hey, we saw that this was a code that was thrown. So presumably it didn't do that for funsies. Yeah. So it, it's just it's it's insurance all over again. Right. It's just a freaking nightmare. But anyway, you, you, you're you're cheating and using my weakness to keep me on the microphone right now and talking about cars. Um, but we should, Totally we should, accidental. Mm-hmm. What we should do is we should do some Ask ATP. And Clint asks, So do you think, do you think if you Apple, went BMW, do you think you it would stop be... It? Stop it. Do you ah. think it would be M3, M2, or M235i? Uh, none of the above, because I can't afford it. Uh, because you're making me quit my job. The, the, the 235 line is really not that ridiculous. Well, I can't put any kids in it then. That's true. By the way... Why am I letting myself get into this? Stop, stop. We need to do Ask ATP. Have you given so any more Clint, thought to quitting your job? <laughs> no. <laughs> I've given an un, unreasonable amount of thought to that. Stop. Just, why am I allowing this? How many How many offers have you gotten? Just ballpark. I have gotten probably, I would say less than 10. Um, Listeners, you know what not. to do. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. Well, the problem is, to be honest, I've barely explored those because I've been so swamped with pre-baby insanity that I, I probably seem like the most reluctant independent worker ever because i have a couple of emails that uh, that i need to reply to i just haven't had the time yet um but anyway but we'll see what happens with that but we should talk about ask atp where clint asks so do you ask think the apple will delay the, the mac room, pro why do you have to really? put kids in your tiny car you have an xc90 Stop. like you could pro- you could get a car that could fit in the xc90 that is true however like like the m235 is, is a pretty small car like and a pretty good one by other reviews right haven't you driven one uh yes i did drive a several year old one now it was like three or four years old uh well it, it doesn't if i if it was still around today the the guy who owned it has since unloaded it for basically my car actually but uh at the time it was maybe two years old and it was magnificent but uh, Bingo. Uh, among other things used m235 uh, that's a good answer but uh, the problem with that is, A, I'd want the M2, B, those are impossible to find and slightly unaffordable in C or 3, I don't remember which one I was going for. Uh, I do a preschool run with Declan, and I would like to be able to take Aaron, or I would like to be able to take both kids in the car and not leave Aaron stranded, because although Aaron is capable of driving a stick, Aaron doesn't think Aaron's capable of driving a stick, which means Aaron can't drive a stick. So... It's it's a bad situation, but can we please do ask ATP? I'm gonna I need to start start ignoring the car talk because you know it's is my the M2 so, available with a DCT? So Clint asks, let me see because really a DCT is so Apple close to a Apple will delay stick. the Mac Pro. John, would you tell me if you don't mind? Do you think mm. Apple will car delay and the driver Mac Pro test release? the BMW M2 <sighs> DCT? So obviously it exists. Let's see. That looks pretty nice. And Aaron could drive a DCT. We can do car stuff after ask ATP, Marco. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't worry. We can string them along later. We just got to get through this. <laughs> just work with me, people. All work right, with fine. me. <laughs> so, good luck editing this one. We are sponsored this week by Betterment. Rethink what your money can do. Visit betterment.com slash ATP for more information. Betterment is the largest independent online financial advisor designed to help improve customers' long-term returns and lower your taxes for retirement planning, building wealth, and other financial goals. Betterment takes advanced investment strategies and uses technology to deliver them to more than 300,000 customers. 
Betterment also offers tax-saving strategies to help you increase your after-tax returns. On average, they have a tax-coordinated portfolio that can increase portfolio value by an estimated 15% over 30 years. And Betterment is advanced enough to consider all of your assets. They can give you a clear view of your net worth when you sync your outside accounts if you want to, such as bank accounts and other investments. They can show you how much your outside brokerage accounts might be costing you in fees and uninvested cash. And all this is brought to you with very low fees compared to traditional services. There's only a 0.25% annual fee for their base plan with unlimited messaging access to their team of licensed financial experts. And if you want phone access, unlimited phone access to a team of certified financial planners, they offer that for only only 0.4% a year. These are very, very good rates. Investing involves risk. ATP listeners can get up to one year managed free. For more information, visit betterment.com slash ATP. That's betterment.com slash ATP. Betterment, rethink what your money can do. So uh, Clint asks, do you think Apple will delay the Mac Pro release until a new CPU architecture has been designed? I personally don't think that'll be the case unless Intel says, hey, it's already designed and it's eminent and we'll have it out in a month, like, which will never happen. So no, I don't think so. Marco, what do you think? Oh, man, Sam McGee just found a used listing for a white M2. <laughs> this is your car. This is perfect. <laughs> Concentrate, Marco. It's a Mac Pro question. You should be excited about this one. Uh, I don't... I'll, I'll answer because Marco's not into it. Uh, the reason <laughs> Apple better not wait because I think it's actually going to be longer than people think before there is a literal new CPU architecture that works around this issue because this issue is deeply embedded into the way CPUs have been designed for many, many years. Uh, and unless Intel started on this project four years ago, a new CPU that solves this problem is not coming anytime soon. Uh, but more importantly, like I don't want Apple to delay anything. Like They're going to continue to sell iMac Pros and all their other computers with these CPUs that are vulnerable to this with OS-level workarounds, and that's what they're going to do with the Mac Pro 2. So no, no delay. For, no, no delay for this anyway. You know, last thing you want is to give Apple a reason to delay the Mac Pro. <laughs> Please don't give them reasons. <laughs> Even I would agree with that. And that's, that's not a thread on the, on the Spectre meltdown stuff. Like the, the Exactly how long the timelines are for a new architecture. If you start today, oh, we haven't been doing anything to mitigate this as yet, uh, you know, this this unknown, you know, we didn't know about Spectre Meltdown until, you know, a couple weeks ago or whatever. Um, let's start today on a new uh, architecture. Let's take whatever project we've been working on and modify it to account for this. The timelines are long. It's not like, well, give us a couple months and we'll have a new CPU out. If you look at how long it takes to go from idea to actual design to, you know, laying out i don't know if they still call it taping out to fabbing and verifying like th those timelines are long so don't hold your breath for brand new cpu architectures that completely eliminate this category of error there could be smaller fixes coming to minor revisions of existing chips that help either help mitigate it or help make it so that the os level workarounds are not don't have as big of a performance hit that could happen in the near term if they scramble but it's such a big change to actually make this category of bug not exist and also maintain performance that I think it's going to be years. Also, keep in mind that the Mac Pro and iMac Pro use Xeon chips. Xeons are the last chips in Intel's lineup to get new microarchitectures. <laughs> so whenever they fix it in their consumer chips, you're not going to see it in any kind of Xeon workstation for another year and a half to three years after that. Yeah. I even I don't want this to be delayed and 
God, I just need to I just need to get through the Mac Pro discussion. And if I can get through the forthcoming Mac Pro discussion, like in future episodes, whenever it's announced, then I think the show may be able to last forever because if I can make it through that, I'll be good. Bryson asks, uh, John, <laughs> I heard you say that high Sierra we got, got a great bug. message from a friend. <laughs> That's why I was distracted for a saying, half second. Can, Stop messaging, it. Stop messaging it. the three of us saying, can someone explain RX Swift? It's important. I know there's cold by tomorrow morning. Thanks. <laughs> Casey, I, I think you know something about RX Swift. Can you, can you help, help our friend no, out after the show? Stop it. <laughs> Maybe after the show. Why are you using all my weaknesses against me? Also, today I learned I have like 17 different flavors of kryptonite. Anyway. <laughs> So what is RX? Is that prescription Swift? What is that? What does that yes, mean? Yes, it's prescription Swift. <laughs> oh, God, I hate all of you, including our nameless friend. Uh, Bryson asks, John, I heard you say about the High Sierra root bug that you keep your root account enabled anyway, so you already had a strong password. For what reason do you need the root account? Why not just use sudo? What does root do that sudo can't? I'm actually curious to hear this as well, because I don't have a root account with a password, and I just use sudo for everything that I would need. And I do dive into the command line daily, but I strongly suspect I am not doing near near as much in the command line as you are, John. So can you address this? Like, what, What's the purpose for the root account having a password, or is it just you having needing a tinfoil hat? It's the opposite, actually. Like, what you're doing is the better way to do things. Do everything as the user only do sudo when you need to do something with heightened privileges. But the worst habit that I do because I'm old is just hang out as root <laughs> all the time. Uh, you know, cause I, I don't use package managers. I compile and install things, uh, you know, myself and it's just convenient to just always be root and have all of my source files owned by root and build everything as root. And that's incredibly dangerous to do that. You should not do this. I do not recommend this practice, but it is my habit. And because it's my habit and it's my computer, I do it. Uh, and many years of experience, uh, including accidentally destroying a couple of OSs in my youth has led me to be pretty careful and pretty safe, but still it's not a good idea. You should do everything as your user and just hide, you know, elevate privileges Briefly, only when you need it. Marco, any thoughts? Nope. About this, about <laughs> this specifically, for the love of God. You know, I, I, I'm thinking of traveling to Manhattan. I wanted to know if you had any pizza recommendations. <sighs> so many cryptos. He, he only has one recommendation. <laughs> yeah, it'll be quick. Uh, John's a bleaker. Moving on. Jim Andaway asks, <laughs> Marco, did you ever buy a Sonos one with Alexa? And if so, do you like it? Um, no, I actually, I had, I pre-ordered it and then before it came out, when the reviews started coming out, I canceled the pre-order cause I realized I didn't care that much. Um, I, I have some Sonos stuff, but I wouldn't say I'm super in the Sonos ecosystem. Um, I just, I, I find their app fairly clunky for the things I want to do with, with my music. So I, I almost never want to actually use it for anything. Um, so in, in the other side, I love the Amazon Echo and use it constantly, and and it's very very nice. And one of the things that the Sonos One I think was was worse about is you know like every Echo that comes out since the original Tower and Dot, um, it doesn't have the the hardware volume dial on the top. And some of the other reviews said that that they thought the microphones might be a little bit worse, or at least that they were having some trouble with them. And so I just decided you know what? I don't I don't need this. So just cancel it. And I'm, I'm very happy with my first generation uh, Amazon Echo and with, a, with the big hardware volume knob and the nice microphones. And it's totally fine. And 
I don't really, I haven't bought any of the new Echoes yet either because, you know, same reason, basically. I'm, I'm very happy with the old one and we don't really have any needs for any additional ones at this time. All right, so how do we want to approach this? Do you want to do uh, ARM and keep me here for 17 hours? Yes. Or do you want to do... Uh, no, no, know, that's it. That's it. Time for the after show. Well, what, I thought we were doing a longer after show. What are, we, are we talking about cars? Because that is. Uh, well, don't worry. We've got plenty of stuff hours. for the after show. Uh, what do we have for the after show? Thanks to our sponsors this week, Betterment, Linode, and Fracture. And we will see you next week. Now the show is over. They didn't even mean to begin. Cause it was accidental. accidental. Oh, it was accidental. accidental. John didn't do any research. Marco and Casey wouldn't let him. Cause it was accidental. accidental. Oh, it was accidental. accidental. And you can find the show notes at atp.fm. And if you're into Twitter, you can follow them at C A S E Y L. ISS, so that's Casey Liss, M-A-R-C-O-A-R-M-E-N-T, Marco Arment, S-I-R-A-C, USA Syracuse, it's accidental. My first question for Casey is, what system have you established for this podcasting recording tonight to be notified that it's time to stop podcasting? Uh, there are several mechanisms. There is iMessage. There is Aaron coming in the room. Actually, I guess that's really it. It's basically either iMessage or Aaron <laughs> storms in here and says, it's time. Or screaming. The screaming well, one I was going to say that. I was going to say that, but we are yeah, basically that would be on effective. opposite corners of the house. So, yes, that would work, but... It would need to be significant enough that it would wake up me and well, not that I'm asleep, you know what I mean? Like it would it would have to get through me and it would wake up Declan and Aaron has a I don't want to use the word heroic, but I can't think of a better adjective, just a, a heroic threshold for pain. Um and so because of that, I wouldn't be surprised if she could go through something that would render me unconscious and she just would, you know, have like a little eh that hurt, you know, or something like that. So, um, anyway, I would expect that she would either I message me or she would just come storming in and say, this is it. I was worried that she's like having contractions now and she can't bring herself to even do a text message. So she's just down, (laughs) you know, in the other side of the house, bearing down, wishing you would know that it's time to stop podcasting. And here you are continuing to podcast. That certainly could be, but I, uh, as of about half an hour ago, I was being kept abreast of the situation and I, I sincerely doubt that's the case. It's time to turn the baby monitor on mom so you can be aware of what's going on. <laughs> Actually, come to think of it, we did get an entire second baby monitor for Sprig, which we planned, well, well, actually what we ended up doing was just pairing the the second, the, the camera from the other baby monitor to our existing baby monitor, but it was like 20 bucks more to get the whole monitor rather than to just get an extra camera. You know what I mean? Or something like mm-hmm. that. It was, it was, it was silly not to just get a whole redundant setup. So anyways, I bring all this up to say I could hypothetically put that baby monitor camera back <laughs> on Aaron and take the redundant monitor in here. But no, as far as I know, she's asleep, which means if I sent her a text message right now, she'd probably be like, yep, it's, it's coming sooner rather than later, but we'll see. You think she's asleep? Right now? Uh, as far as I know, she was trying to. 
I mean, that's, that's wise. Honestly, you should be sleeping right now if you're, if you're expecting yes, this to I happen know, Marco. Like, tonight or tomorrow. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I can really get sleep. That's with, like, with my first kid, like, uh, uh, my wife's water broke at midnight. We were up. We were about to go to bed, but broke at midnight. And, and the doctor was like, you should just go to sleep and come to the hotel. Uh, you come to the hotel. Come to the hospital in the morning. <laughs> the I don't think it's possible when you're having, I mean, certainly <laughs> your first kid. And your wife's water has broken. Oh, we're just going to get some sleep now. Yeah, sure. Everyone will just <laughs> we'll just nod right off. Nothing will be occupying our minds that keeps us from sleeping. So we just sat there in the bed, not sleeping for five hours, then went to the hospital. <laughs> oh, God. I can't imagine. Well, the, the, the thing is, especially for the women, like, granted, I haven't done this in a little over three years, but pretty much shortly after they arrive at the hospital and get, you know, an IV put in and all that, they're told, or at least in our experience, Aaron was told, you can't eat anything anymore. And so because of that, you know, everything becomes uncomfortable. Well, not that it wasn't already uncomfortable, but everything becomes more uncomfortable for the woman once you arrive at the hospital. So for a lot of reasons, most doctors will say, you know, for the, for the best that you can or to the, to the best that you can, try to avoid coming into the hospital until like it's really getting on go time. And so, and on the way into the hospital, go gorge yourself on some sort of fast food because especially the the mom is not going to be eating for a long time. So um, as far as, if I were to wager a guess, unless something is going on in there that I'm not aware of, um, I think tomorrow morning we're probably going to wake up, find somebody to, well, I mean, we have plenty of options, but find somebody to take care of Declan and probably call it in. Oh yeah, that, that reminds me, like, other than the system of notification, Declan's still hanging out in your house snoozing away right now too. What's mm-hmm. the uh, what's the handoff plan there? So we have neighbors that live very close by that, um, you know, like walkably close by that could come over. Uh, Aaron's youngest sister is a short drive away and Aaron's mom is about 20 minutes away. And so there's, you know, a multi-tiered approach that we can go to if if we need to leave in the middle of the night i'm I'm getting flashback anxiety from the fact that you don't have someone in your house right now and stand by declan duty (laughs) yeah the idea that you're going to have enough time for someone to show up at your house so that you'll be able to divert right because mm -hmm. it was my situation was we had we had a friend all lined up too all hours of the night no worries like you you know it's 3 a.m the time just give us a call we'll be there and my friend was good to his word he you know was there uh, but by the time he showed up, the baby was out. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, honest to God, your birth story, your and Tina's birth story, I, that has weighed on me heavily for the last <laughs> month or two. And I, I'm not saying that to be funny. Like, I really, really has. Cause so often Aaron will be like, or not just her, I'll be like, you know, oh, well, your mom, your mom will be here in like 20 minutes. I'm sure that'll be fine. And then one of us will say to the it other, it should be. It sh- totally should be. I mean, you know how long it was, Declan? You have plenty of time. Exactly. And Declan was a very long birth. And so it should be fine. But then I think about poor Tina, who says, hey, why don't you go get the neighbor? Because I think it's time. And then next thing you know, oh, there's your youngest in the, in the bedroom <laughs> in your hands. There was some, there was a lot of screaming and blood between those two phases. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that I kid you not, uh, I'll say it again, like your birth story, your your mutual birth story for, for when your daughter was born has weighed heavily on me, especially in the last month. Um, but for Declan, you know, it was, I think, 
Monday morning, it doesn't really matter, but it was one morning, I think it was a Monday morning, that Aaron woke up and was like, well, I'm having a lot of Braxton Hicks, and then went about her day. Then it was the middle of the night Tuesday that it was becoming obvious to know this was it. And we went into the hospital, I want to say it was Tuesday morning, and you know, by the time, well, we went to the OB to see if this was it, and the OB took literally, didn't even make her second leg in the doorway to look at Aaron. She only had one foot in the doorway, in, in the examination room, and turned around and shouted down the hall, hey, can you call L&D? We have one coming. <laughs> and so <laughs> um, that was a Tuesday morning, and Declan was born at like 5 36 o'clock on Wednesday morning or something like that. So clearly not all of this was, well, it's easy for a dude to say this, right? But not all of this was like the hyper intense labor, but it was labor for like two full days. Um, and so it stands to reason, he says, as he knocks on his glass desk, because there's no wood nearby that, uh, <laughs> that, that Sprague will not make a, a, your youngest styled uh, appearance, but we'll see about that. Is it possible, given Aaron's stated tolerance for pain, that you already have a second kid? <laughs> right. Yeah, Sorry, I, I, I have a feeling. Like, I mean, we were talking yeah. about the iMac Pro for a long time. <laughs> that is true, and then cars are even longer. Uh, no, that is, it is certainly possible. I did send her a text message about ten or fifteen minutes ago, and she has not responded, which means either she is trying to sleep, is asleep, or there's a kid in the other room, and I just don't know it. Um, I mean, you are on the other side of the house. I mean, <laughs> anything is possible. Do you want me to go check? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Uh, but yeah, it's funny because Aaron and I—I uh, I don't know how much this comes across on the show, and I mean, I know you two know this, but for your average listener, I don't know if if it's obvious. But Aaron and I are both like super duper type a super anal retentive love to have every t crossed every i dotted every minute planned and uh and it's funny because with this one there's not a lot of planning you can do for a kid unless you have a scheduled uh induction which we do have for a few days from now but it's certainly not looking like we're going to make it um but anyway the official due date was yesterday right no it's today oh okay yeah, so I mean, it's on oh, schedule. So it could be right on time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, but I bring I bring up us being anal retentive because when it comes to Declan, we're basically like as soon as we have done that initial handoff that you know you were asking about, John. As soon as that happens, whatever, just somebody amongst you know, my family, your Aaron's family, just figure it out amongst yourselves and make sure he's still alive in a day and a half or whenever it is that we can get him in the hospital so he can meet his little brother or little sister. So it's been funny for us to just have to embrace being that like, I don't know, freewheeling, if you will, and just be like, hey, you know what? He's three years old. He's as reasonably self-sufficient in the sense that he's not going to like you know, live in a poopy diaper for 18 days because he's not using diapers, you know, except at night. He's he's able to find, like, in a desperation scenario, for some reason, I'm sure he could scrounge up a little bit of, like, crackers or something. Not to say we're going to leave him home alone. I'm just saying, like, in the, in the world-ending <laughs> yeah, scenario. Like, you hear that, Declan? The new baby has already stolen your parents' love. Yeah, just like that. Just like There's that. none left for you. Sorry. <laughs> like, you realize in, in these scenarios, like, you're going to jail. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, we would never do that. I'm just saying, you know, if, if for some reason there was some sort of miscommunication, and they, I don't know why my parents, well, this is a terrible do you have, but you know Do you I mean. have a thing planned where like the where the new baby is going to give Declan a present? We did you that. You know, we've waffled we've waffled back and forth on that and we don't have a present so I guess the answer is no. Um we I don't really have a good answer on it. I see both sides of that story and because we're so fresh off of Christmas and Hanukkah that 
there's nothing that he's told us he's really seeking at the moment. You know what I mean? And I know that doesn't mean we can't get him something anyway. He doesn't know what he wants yet, but what he actually wants is not another sibling. Well, right now he's very (laughs) enthusiastic about his other sibling, but I know. Oh yeah, they're great when they're inside mommy. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. This is all going to change in just a minute. You never, they might get along, but like we did the gift. I don't know. This is probably my wife's idea, but I here to tell you, it did not help. (laughs) With with my particular two children, it did not help. Maybe, maybe a strategy is you can give him a gift that is worse than a new sibling um, in some way that, that seems like like man like when I was a kid I remember like one Christmas I begged and begged and begged only having seen it on commercials for the remote control typhoon hovercraft and boy was that terrible oh yeah I had one of those why well, you don't let your kids watch commercials oh it was great except it was terrible you know there's a reason why you don't see a lot of hovercraft in use in the world uh, and one of the reasons is you can't really steer them very well turns out friction is really nice and they don't really have a lot of that uh and so yeah and also they're incredibly loud like at least you know the little remote control one it's like you know two little like hair dryers on the back of this thing uh for the five minutes or so that the battery lasts before it dies i was just like, about to say because you're powering three different motors yeah. off of this like mid 90s maybe even early 90s battery tech yeah it was a big like nicad uh battery pack <laughs> like the size of like eight double a's one of those big yellow rectangles it's like yep oh man it was truly terrible it was no fun at all oh oh uh, who is this who is this in the chat uh, no, Chloe de Guzman. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Uh, just put the link in the chat. And this is what I had. Although I think mine was green, but this is what I had. And oh my God, it was amazing for the two and a half minutes it was working. But it's funny because in this commercial, you see it running across water, which hypothetically it should be able to do. Oh no, you can't do that. But that's the thing, because if you take your finger off the throttle for even the slightest moment then the, I don't remember the term for it, but the bag under it, like the buoyancy bag, the skirt will yeah. deflate. In, yes, the skirt, thank you. The buoyancy bag, the skirt, the whatever, will instantly deflate, and then you sink your hovercraft, and that's that. So you have to, like, really, really commit if you're going to go across water. And I think the possibly the most stressful moment of my childhood was when I did <laughs> put it in a pool for, like, five seconds and drive it, you know, and I think I was standing within, like, arm's reach of it, so if it started to sink, I could grab it, because I loved this thing even though it was a colossal piece of garbage. Oh, it, like it, I would just try to play with it indoors and you just can't like you're crashing into walls constantly. Like there's oh, nowhere yeah. you can go with it. And then, yeah, like I remember like at, at the lake, uh, I saw somebody have one and they broke it because they took it onto the water. The back end of it sunk down for a split second. And when they put the fans back on the, the propeller of one of the rear like propulsion fans hit the surface of the water and just broke. Like it, like it was just these things were not built well and yeah this was just not oh, it was such a bad toy anyway so I'm saying if you get definitely one of these as his new awesome gift it is so much worse than having a new baby that he might then see the baby as like the upgrade. You know, Marco, I, I got to be honest with you. I think you know we've known each other something like twenty years and we're pretty good, pretty darn good friends. And I, I'm gonna have to tell you, I'm a little disappointed in you because clearly the right answer <laughs> for a gift for Declan is either a brand new M3 or a brand new Wrangler. Like that, that's the only reasonable solution to this problem, am I no, right? M2. Honestly, the M2 is the better car for, <laughs> for your purposes. I mean, the only thing is that, yeah, you do you do lose the four-doorness of the M3. So in that way, I guess you probably should get an M3 because it's, it's the more continuation of what you already have. Um, but as like an enthusiast car, I, I really think the M2 is, is the way to go. Not to mention it's probably a much better value. 
Um, downside, of course, being, as you mentioned earlier, that uh, there's not that many of them, and most of them are not used. Um, and yeah, of course, two doors. But. but now that you're on the auto, the automatic bandwagon, and BMW, Whoa, I still think is in, is slow in a down. BMW slow is down. in a down period. You should consider. Uh, you know, something like Demuro's car, like an E63 AMG oh, or, or the modern one. Like these are mm-hmm. fast, high quality four door cars with plenty of room that are very safe, reliable, not that cheap if you get an old one, or not that expensive if you get an old one. Uh, and who you you'll be fine with the automatic. You don't need to shift. Anymore. You're talking about good good Mercedeses. Aren't you too young for that? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, like in the current generation of cars, um, like I said, you know, BMW uh, didn't. Uh, finish in any of the car and drivers 10 best for like the first time in a very very long time and there are mercedes in there the, Mer- the mercedes e especially the amg ones are fast and fancy i mean the, the no. julia is still a better car than them but the 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 mercedes are probably more reliable definitely more swanky and we know casey needs to be babied in his old age no but see but the problem is he's not old enough like <laughs> like okay like 15 years ago wrx would have been the right move 15 years from now casey might be mercedes but right now, Casey? No, uh, you got the wrong image of Mercedes. This is not your father's Mercedes. Plus, as soon as that second baby arrives, it will age him instantly like 10 more years. So <laughs> it's a multiplier for it's a multiplying for how old, how old you feel. So he's still going to need five more years before they're going to let him into a Mercedes dealer. No, you get the, the AMG ones. It's fine. No. It's actually, the, the, to speak about how old and entitled I am, who was I talking to just the other day? Shoot. Um, oh, it was uh, my buddy who just got the brand new Accord, coincidentally. Um and he was saying that he had to bring his in. I think he was getting like an aftermarket, or like an aftermarket, but dealer installed. Um, oh, Aaron is awake and she has not had the kid. Uh, Real time follow up. All right, good. <laughs> um, baby still inside wife. Repeat, baby still yeah. inside wife. <laughs> and and it seems that things are just not regular. So whatever. Anyway, are things ever regular? Fair point. Um, uh, the Accord guy took his car in for service to get like some aftermarket thing installed. I forget what it was. I think it was like rear, uh, a rear USB charger or whatever. I think there was like a, a Honda part that he could have installed so you can charge something via USB in the back. Anyway, he was talking about how he had to go to Enterprise to get a loaner. And I was just I, like, my face kind of imploded. It was like that, oh, like that, oh, God, you have to go to get a loaner to like, they don't just give you one. Oh, yeah. So, you, <laughs> so this, this is to show how, how, uh, how you can't go back again to live like the little people. Right. That No, I'm serious. Like, and, and, and all I'm saying this partially to be funny, but I mean, I really did have that brief reaction of like, oh, God, that's right. You would have to like go somewhere to get a rental. And that just sounds freaking terrible. And like, listen to how obnoxious and entitled I am. Like, I'm not proud of this. I'm really not. I'm just saying as soon as you cross that threshold into, quote unquote, luxury automobiles, you start to get used to this thing and it's hard. Like this is why I can understand why all these like athletes and movie stars and whatnot are entitled because once you get exposed to that, it's like, well, I don't want to go back to having to worry about going down to one car while my car gets serviced. That seems barbaric. And then I, then the next thought that goes through my head is, wow, Casey, you're an asshole. (laughs) It's like, it's really not a big deal. So, yeah, yeah. Fair point. Fair point. The, I have the, no uh, argument. The one, the one tip, though, for for people who are for peons like me who have Hondas and go to Honda dealership is, is depending on your dealership, uh, you can find uh, my dealership. Speaking of Enterprise, has Enterprise rental counter right in the dealership, and if you get any significant amount of service done, you get the rental for free. So essentially, you get a loaner Honda for free as part of your service without having to go in anywhere. So it's like the 
I mean, I'm going to say low rent, but it's the it's the equivalent version of so you bring in your BMW, here's a BMW to drive. So you bring in your Honda, here's a Honda to drive. No charge if you're the thing, whatever you're having done is above some minimum amount of money. And if you're going to a dealer, it probably is because dealers charge a million dollars for everything, even Honda dealers. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit different not having that be an amenity of the dealer, but having it be like, well, we have this we have this relationship with enterprise and you know i've never paid for an enterprise rental but i have gotten free enterprise rentals many times how i know uh, how much i hate all of the the hondo cords that i didn't buy is all from uh, essentially loaner cars when my car is getting serviced the other way i do it how the way the little people do it is i sit there and wait for my car to be done yeah i've done that from time to time and and yeah, you know, so confession, my first thought was going to be to complain about my local BMW service, uh, like a waiting area, because it just isn't as cushy and nice as some other BMW dealers I've been to. How far gone am I? Like, how much of a friggin' jerk am I that the first thought that jumps through my head is, yeah, but John, you don't understand that the service area in this local BMW is just okay like it's very nice a service area not- you mean a bunch of chairs shoved next to a water cooler right, that's what i'm saying <laughs> like how obnoxious am i like i'm i am i need to get a regular person's car so i don't lose myself forever i need to buy like a pedestrian civic oh god i'm so terrible well it's, it's different amounts of luxury because the number of valve trains i've ever had exploded in any of my cars is zero so i have that yeah. going for me <laughs> that's true yeah i mean i don't need a loaner if the thing is never getting serviced for more than an hour at a time i've never had a repair that has cost as uh you know as much as uh, my car was worth yeah, truth too soon oh how much so that repair if you didn't pay for it right because it was like warranty or whatever but but if you had paid for it it would have been like five grand or something the 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 valve train issues yeah yeah it was like five or six grand of which i paid i think five or ten percent of it what ended up happening was well for all the things that were done during that visit i think the total bill was like six grand of which i paid about a thousand and so what was the value of your car at at the time you had a six thousand dollar repair 20 to 30,000 I think and now it's probably 10 to 20,000. Right, so you were like a quarter a quarter of the value of your car in repair. Yeah. I mean it's something like that. And then the, remember it happened again about a year year and a half later but they covered that not literally under warranty I guess but It's like, scheduled. It's coming up soon, right? Your next uh, one. <laughs> that that warning light put it through. <laughs> Why you do this? Uh I was th- I was thinking of you uh, when I was reading. Uh, oh, this is scary. I don't remember where I was reading it. It might have been a paper magazine. It might have been the internet. It's really hard to tell these days. But it was talking about BMW's uh, electric car programs and how how battery technology is getting better. And BMW engineering bragging that their sort of like service lifetime of their electric cars it's exactly the same as it is for the for their for their gasoline cars and all i could think was that's nothing to brag about given the, the apparent service <laughs> lifetime of casey's car <laughs> like it's like this battery will last harsh. you 15 years mm. Mm. well <laughs> they're like 70 percent capacity after 15 years of use it's like well what what is the service lifetime of how, how old is your car now though it just had its seventh birthday like it was delivered to the original owner in early december of 2010 I feel like that's not a that's not a fifteen year service lifetime. I mean, it is like again, I I'm very frustrated with my car, but really, in the grand scheme of things, like this was a pretty significant repair, a very significant repair. But in the grand scheme of things, like the car sitting here now, as far as I'm aware, I drove it earlier today. Uh, the car is operating very very well. It has a few squeaks and a few rattles, but nothing too terribly egregious. It's it's really running pretty darn well. The thing is, I've had to pour 
way more money into it than I think I should have had to. And that's the problem I have with it. This is in comparison to Aaron's Mazda, which uh, you know I was happy to get rid of, but that thing we took delivery on her birthday in 2007, 2007. So that was August of 2007, and we got rid of it in July of 2017. And I think we might have done an alternator once, and I think we did a battery. And other than that, it was just like tires and brakes and you know normal wear items. And so in 10 years, we put let's, – let's get aggressive, and let's say we put like two grand of non – uh, wear item worth of repair into that Mazda in 10 years. And I did that in 10 minutes when my valve train exploded for the first time. Do you know, you know what I mean? So it's, it's hard because on the one side I feel like, Oh, this thing has been on the whole reasonably reliable. If you discount all the times that it exploded for a week. Yeah. As much as I, uh, I'm slightly bothered by Doug DeMiro videos. One thing I have to admit that he has going for him is he picks interesting cars to review. Not the new ones, obviously, because like whatever everyone's doing, fancy new cars or not even the fancy exotic ones. But when he goes to older cars, he tends to pick cars at the very least that have some meaning to me. And the most recent one he did was the the eight, the late 80s, very early 90s uh, Mercedes S-Class. I saw that that was a thing, but I haven't. I'm way behind on YouTube because I'm way behind on podcasts. Yeah, my uh, my friend's dad had one of those that he bought used. You know, he didn't buy it new. He 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 owned his own business and he had some money, but not new Mercedes money. But he had used Mercedes money, and I took a couple of trips with his family in that car. Uh, I think that's where I, where I started to get super impressed by Mercedes because the just, even just being a passenger, the difference in every aspect of that car from even from the fancy yuppie cars my parents had, like a series of Volvos and stuff, and and hondas and before that a bunch of american junk cars uh it was very impressive so i've, I've just <laughs> I started that video but it's really taken me back to see like the switch gear on, on the 80s mercedes and those those mercedes i mean they're they're not sporty cars like let's put it this way but they were just they just felt so solid and every part of it was so ridiculously over-engineered uh very very german in the best possible way and i i think sometimes i think that you might be happier with a older used car that you get cheaper that you it's so old that you know you're going to be sinking money into it but you pick it based on like character or nostalgia or you know something like that where you you, instead of going for it has to be like modern super fast like resign yourself to actually getting a slow old car that has a lot of character maybe that's what the wrangler is to you i don't know in which case you should not buy a new wrangler you should buy a used one so uh, the the real answer to what you're describing is i would kill almost everyone i knew for an e39 m5 so this is early 2000s it's six speed only v8 about 400 horsepower and the the, in a lot of ways i think that's the right answer because they can be had for i last i looked which is a long time ago between 10 and 20 thousand dollars for a reasonable example that hasn't been too badly obliterated but the thing is as they get older and older and older they get more and more and more finicky and thus require more and more and more repairs. So now I'm trading a reasonably modern BMW that's constantly in need of repair for an older and more interesting BMW that's constantly in need of repair. So, but it costs way less. Like, just set aside double the price of the car for repairs for the next <laughs> sure. eight years, right? Yeah, like Marco that's was fair. saying. And it's, you still come out ahead versus buying a brand new Mercedes at some ridiculous price once you add all the options in. Yeah, like... It, it, it like the price of getting a car new is so much more than maintaining an old one. Generally speaking, like if if what you're yeah. concerned about is total long term value, John's right. 
Well, and that's why I bought the BMW used is, you know, I, I suppose if you balance the checkbook, if you will, we could have afforded to buy a new 335, but it would have been a financially unwise decision to make. And that's why, you know, I saved like 15 grand off the sticker by buying the car that I just told you was delivered in December, 2010. I bought it in September, 2012 and saved like 15 grand. Um, and the reason that I'm harping on new cars for me, because otherwise, it, were it not for what I'm about to tell you, I would absolutely be looking at either lightly used new-ish cars or something ancient like John's describing. Um, but the problem I have is that I've gotten it in my brain, for better or worse, that I really, really do not want to buy a car that does not support CarPlay. Because to my eyes, that kind of future-proofs the infotainment in a way that my car can't be. And I can get updates from my infotainment to some degree, but it's never going to change the fact that it's like a 5-pixel by 5-pixel display and that it's got a terribly slow processor that can't handle zooming like Remember, Marco, when we were in the M5 and I zoomed the map for the first <laughs> yeah. time, or maybe you zoomed the map, and I was like, wait, 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 wait. It actually zooms. It doesn't just jump between zoom levels. It actually animates the zoom, and it blew my mind. And so because of that, I, I've gotten it in my brain that I want something with CarPlay. And I'm pretty darn sure the Wrangler has it. I know the Golf R has it. Um, that's part of the reason why the, that and the sunroof are reasons why I genuinely don't think money, no object. I would have the Alfa Romeo because it does not support CarPlay and the infotainment system was at best mediocre. And so once, once you, if you look at my obnoxious requirements, like I'm the world's worst consulting client, right? Because I want three pedals that go zero to 60 in five ish seconds that's not front wheel drive that supports CarPlay that has a sunroof you know th- these these requirements the only thing and this comes back around to what Marco was saying pretty much the only thing that meets all these requirements is a brand new 340 but the other requirement i have is not BMW so now what <laughs> you know well, so. your requirements are so defined by your experience with BMW though like if, you know, that's Fair. what i'm saying like you know if you get an older car forget about CarPlay just take your phone get a get a phone thing that clips into the vents and shove your phone on the dash. There's your, there's your navigation. Now it, it will, it will never go out of date. You keep buying new phones and clipping them in the clip and then just get a car with character that has some sort of nostalgia value that you can get cheap, that you will put $5,000 into every single year. And it'll just be your little hobby fun thing. And that will be slow. That'll be slower than a civic type R or whatever, but you know, just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I guess maybe the Mac pro strategy is, is the thing to do and just, Keep on keeping on until that thing really explodes for good. I mean, that very well may be the thing. And actually, it was funny because um, just before we got on on the microphones tonight, I was brushing my teeth and I was thinking to myself, you know what? If I really am serious about this, you know, consulting or or whatever, you know, thing I want to do instead of a jobby job, if I'm really serious about this, the number one thing change I need to make in my life is to not be telling myself, well, you know, you might be able to swing a new card in, in 2018. The first thing that needs to happen is I don't drop, a, you know, thousands upon thousands of dollars on a new car, even something new to me. Like, I do not need to be getting anything new. And to your point, John, I need to just drive my BMW until it falls apart. Or at least, at the, at the very least, drive my BMW until I've proven to myself that, you know, Casey List Incorporated is making money. You know what I mean? And and that's not a bad thing. That's that's a perfectly fine decision to make. It's just a less exciting decision to make. Well, but, you know, this is like, this is going to be a year of lots of changes. You know, like, even if you don't change your job situation, 
you still are going to have a second kid in like three minutes. And so that's <laughs> like that's going to be a huge, massive change in addition to just all of the you know developmental stages and things that Declan is going through during this time. So like you're going to have a big change this year. You might be, you know, in many ways, this might be a bad time to buy a new car because you're just too busy with other stuff. You know, like yeah. buying a car, especially for somebody like you who cares about it, is a time-consuming endeavor, as you know, because you just bought the Volvo, like, you know, two weeks ago or whatever. Like, you know, you know how much time it consumes to go through that process. You also, therefore, can probably see, like, even if money wasn't the problem, it's still not probably a good idea to for for you, car nerd Casey, who cares a lot about things, to embark on this on on that kind of mission right now. You know, like Well, we get this straight. Uh starting a consulting business, good time. Buying a car, no, you're too busy. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yes. Because look, your your job stuff is going through a bunch of transitions regardless because you have this time off and then and you have this new person that they hired or whatever that you know so you, like you have like you know training and time off and then you're gonna have to go back and get plunged into the deep end of oh my god i'm back to work again in two months or whatever and that's going to suck completely no matter how happy you are with that job and how happy they are with you that's going to be a massive transition to jump from from basically from like you know paternity leave full-time dad at home to still having to be full-time dad at home and also then jumping back into work like that's a huge transition so it's going to be a very busy spring for you (laughs) even if you don't (laughs) go back to like even if you don't do consulting instead of going back to work uh it's still going to be a very busy spring for you so it's only a question of you know you know which which of these busy paths you take but to add on top of that buying a new car as a car enthusiast i i don't think it's a good time for that well i I see both sides of this right because the part of the reason it took us forever to buy the volvo was because we were trying to extract the the lowest possible price that we could achieve from several different dealers in several different states right but if i and that's partially because the volvo was if I'm honest, a little outside the price that we were willing to pay, but we were, you know, reaching just like, you know, first time home buyer, at least this was my experience. When we bought the house that we're in now, you know, we we found it even despite the fact that it was more expensive than we told ourselves we would we would be willing to pay. Um, but anyways, I think if I really was hell bent on buying a car and I had carte blanche from Aaron to do it. Which I think, you know, if I looked at her and said, no, really, it's time. I need to get one. I don't think she would really be opposed to it. But anyways, if I I think within a day or at most a weekend, I could drive the three to six cars I would like to drive to try them out to see what I think. And if I'm not nickel and diming the dealer to death over every little thing, I think I could have it done in a weekend. Like, I understand what you're saying, Marco. And the typical Casey approach is to nickel and dime and to email every dealer in a three to five state radius and say, this is what I want and what's the best price you can give. And then argue with them when they inevitably don't tell me the best (laughs) best price they can give because they're incentivized not to tell me the best best price they can give. Well, even beyond Um, that, there's the research beforehand. There's all the thinking and reading and stuff you're doing beforehand. Yeah, but I do that constantly anyway. That's true. But like, there's all that. Then... Even you know, then you get the car. Then you have to do registrations and license, like all like there's 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 paperwork to have a car. There's things that you have to like change or activate about the new car, about you know your various. Like there's a lot of overhead to it, and and 
you know, if you're going to be spending a lot of overhead in the next few months on something, I think priority one is baby. Priority two is Declan. Priority three is Aaron. Priority four is yourself. And then priority five is job <laughs> situation. And, you know, then maybe priority like 11 is, oh, I kind of want a new car also. <laughs> like, this is such right. a weird time to do that. Like, you know, it's, a, it's just not, yeah, it's, that's not good. Yeah, fair. I don't know, John, you've been quiet. What are you thinking? I'm thinking you should go to bed. Get I all like that, that idea. Get all that restful sleep that you're going to get. Get the sleep while you can. <laughs> no, I was saying, uh, I think you're probably not going to get a lot of sleep, especially no, I know, if, I know. Uh, well, I, I guess we're gonna lose this. I, I guess I guess you're oh, not gonna have really. a baby on the air. Let's pick some titles. He's still got time. Oh God, bless America! You're right. Would, would it be insensitive for me, like if Aaron ran in to say this is time? Would it be insensitive of me to ask you to please put your file in Dropbox before you go? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yes, because I'm gonna bring my my adorable with me, and and as you both well know, no, unless you're it's not. a, he'll, he'll well, have plenty of oh, time hey, while am. she's uh, you know. Seriously, doing yeah. the hard work of birthing a baby, he'll be sitting there tapping away on his laptop. How's it going over there? Well, no, well, maybe a lot of just waiting. Idea. No, I'm serious. I had my computer for you, with yeah. me. <laughs> I had my computer with me when uh when Declan was born, and up until the like the the overnight when he was born, you know, like I said earlier, he was born at like five in the morning. Up until that overnight portion, she was basically just waiting around getting um what's the drug that makes the the that they use for inductions? Pitocin. Pitocin. Thank you. Yes. You know, she was getting her Pitocin drip or whatever and just kind of waiting like there was it took forever to get to the point that it was, you know, all hands on deck. This is it. And so I had a computer and I don't remember what we were doing, but I definitely had some downtime. In fact, when I you should have seen Aaron's face when I asked her where my switch was and I told her it was because I wanted to bring it so we could play Mario Kart together. <laughs> she did not find that funny at all. I thought it was hilarious, but and, and I was also serious, but she did not see the humor in it at all. Anyway, I mean, if you're going to bring the Switch, you got to at least bring a Pro Controller for her so that she's comfortable while using it. <laughs> right? Uh, I, I mean, I will... I, I was debating bringing the dock, but I won't. But I will have a HDMI <laughs> adapter. What are you going to plug um, it into? The TV <laughs> in the room. Why not? In case he's got a whole little setup over there. He's got snacks. He's got a Switch. He's got a little, he's got a little TV set up. He's got a fan blowing on him. <laughs> you bring in, like, a dorm fridge? Like <laughs> We have snacks packed. Don't even worry. Um, oh my god sir the birthing tub is for your wife <laughs> oh, oh it is my bad i've actually i've been uh i've been trying to get the most recent uh episode of this is us onto my adorable so we so the two of us can watch that while she's just sitting there waiting for things to happen um but anyway so is, is that how she sees it just sitting there like yeah, waiting is that to some degree because she knows how Declan went and she knows that there was a lot of mm-hmm. sitting and waiting but here again there's Tina's second well Tina and John's second birth where it's like eh, you sure you're gonna be doing a lot of sitting and waiting because yeah, yeah, we'll I mean it'll, it'll almost surely go faster than the first but how much faster who knows if it's half the time it's still many many hours right exactly exactly anyway we should do titles I uh, my pick is a heroic threshold for pain in honor of Aaron <laughs> 